Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. It's out in the night out. You're tuned in to Wrestle Talk. 657 383 1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. I am the maestro, Jeremy Carp, and I am so thankful that I get another chance to be on the Wrestle Talk Podcast hosting in the wonderful holiday season. But I'm not alone. I'm never alone, and I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time I introduce the co-host tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... The Night Owl. Jeff Manning interview, 
So big shout out to those guys uh, for being a part of the show. And of course, Skywalker for making it happen. We'll get into the sponsors here in just a few minutes because I definitely want to keep the ball rolling tonight, bro. So, JP, I'm going to ask everybody, like we do every single show, to respectfully remove their caps if you have a cap. Place your hands over your hearts as we pay homage to the greatest country on God's green earth. And that's America, damn it. because I heard he got cramps like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Dude, hey, quick, real quick, you know I'm wearing my Chicago Bears jersey? Bro, my buddy Jake, uh, who's a former guest on the show, Juno Granger, he said that he thought that Lamar Jackson went to take a dump and that it had nothing That's to do with That's what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, hey, hey, real quick, uh, shout out to, to Michael Pan, Michael Mode, what's up, Bobby? Uh, shout out to uh, my man representing big, big time over at XWE. Mitch Honest is in the house, bro. You know I love you. Thank you for being here. Cody Ray Coop is in the house, or Cope, <laughs> of the Cody Coop Show. Uh, we've been on the show once before myself. We're going to bring the rest of the gang to join him on his podcast. Really appreciative of his support, like always. And big country Matt Stockdale is in the house, man. A uh, guy who I've had a chance to work a couple of shows with. I've had a chance to call a couple of his matches. Thank you guys so much for being here, and we especially want to thank you guys for sharing this broadcast. If you can't stay here for the whole time or you're listening to us on a replay, no worries. It's a long show. We understand. We might have to catch it in pieces. But while you're here, do us a favor and please share. That means a lot to us. It really, really does. We would really appreciate it. Right, Jeremy? Right, and i got to give a quick shout-out to uh, my friend Doug and all of his coworkers at Boeing who are busting their asses right now for the greatest country in the world. And they are all tuning in to the Russell Talk podcast. So, major shout out to them. Yeet, yeet. Yeah, also, real quick Royal Mills Transportation, all your Kansas City travel needs right here. Don't drink and drive. Let Mr. Mills take care of all the uh, accommodations for you when it comes to getting from point A to point B, whether you live in town or you're coming in for one of our watch parties like we're going to be having in January at eSports. Be on the lookout for that, guys, for the Royal Rumble with all social distancing and face masks and all that stuff, uh, obviously always uh, in consideration. But we're going to do that, and so if you come into town or what have you for one of our events, make sure you help Royal Mills Transportation. Now, with that said, guys, we've got so much to cover tonight during the High Spot segment, and we want you to be a part of it. I see a lot of wrestling knowledge in the comments section of Maestro, so I'm going to ask everyone to go ahead and dial that number. We're going to get every single caller on between now and 730. All you got to do is dial 
383-1521. And as a matter of fact, if you call in early and you want to call back in when Gangrel is on, you're going to go straight to the top of the list. All right? You're going to go straight to the top of the list because we love people who stick with us throughout the whole show. So, again, 657-383-1521. And you know what, uh, Maestro? I finally figured out how to give away this autographed uh, uh, picture of Zack Ryder uh, that was given to us as a gift by Cody Kobe of the Cody Kobe Show. The best caller today will win this Zack Ryder autographed picture, and I will mail it out. Unlike uh, Hardcore Hostess John Cena t-shirt that I was supposed to mail out like six months ago that's sitting in my hand right now. Sorry, John, please don't kill me. <laughs> but I promise I'll send them out at the, I promise I'll send them out at the same time. We just want you guys to dial that number and be a part of the show. With that said, brother, are you ready to get in to high spots? That's all I got to know, Maestro. Ooh, I am hyped. Let's do this. Let's do that. Hardcore Hoss, you know what to do, baby. Let's get into the that actually just came out today, and I really want to hear everybody's thoughts on this, let alone yours, Night Owl. So, as you know, Vince McMahon is the big billionaire mogul, you know, but you know how he's also been a professional wrestler quite a few times, correct? Yes. Well, it was recently revealed in an interview with Kevin Owens that there were plans for Vince and Shane McMahon to team up against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania 34. Now, for those who know that what ended up happening at WrestleMania 34 is that that tag team match did go on, and it happened, but instead of Vince, it was the return of Daniel Bryan. Now, that part, that match got rave reviews, especially when Daniel Bryan made his in-ring return. But, yeah, it is true. In fact, Kevin Owens said... Uh, quote, he felt like his best position was not to be in the ring, but then also it was also the perfect situation for Brian's return. He got cleared medically, and the storyline was already in progress. But Vince McMahon was originally in place to wrestle at WrestleMania 34, and we've seen Vince wrestle some actually pretty decent matches. And obviously, even in his 70s, he is fit as hell. So now now I have to ask you, what would you have thought watching WrestleMania 34 and seeing Vince McMahon and his son Shane teaming up against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Bro, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I know we got a bunch of callers that want to participate in this conversation. And as a matter of fact, if, you've got, if you're a promoter and you want to promote an upcoming show, if you're a, a wrestler and you want to promote yourself, WrestleTalk Podcast is the place to do that. So please, again, 657-383-1521. If you have your own topics that you want to bring to the table, we're willing to listen to you talk about those as well. Or if you're brave enough and you want to challenge the night hour, the maestro, on what we're discussing, you're more than welcome to do that as well. So let me go ahead and answer that, and I'll keep it brief. Brother, I think 
that there's nothing better as a leader to put your money where your mouth is. I've always heard this said about Vince McMahon. Never had the pleasure of meeting the man. I've always heard it said, Jeremy, that Vince McMahon is the kind of guy that would never ask you to do something that he wouldn't do. Exactly. Yes. Just by the evidence that we've seen over the last 30 years that I've, you know, on and off been paying attention to wrestling, and what we've seen from Shane McMahon, the McMahons are definitely the type of people who lead from the front. They put their money where their mouth is, and they truly would not ask you to do something that they themselves would not be first willing to do. So if Vince convinced himself that it was a good idea to be in the ring, who am I to pass judgment? It's the old man. It is the sage of professional wrestling. If there's ever a sage of professional wrestling, it's without a shadow of a doubt, Vince McMahon. So if he felt like it was good for business, then I'm sure it would have been. But at the same time, Father Time is undefeated. And I would have hated to see anything similar to what we saw with Undertaker versus Roman Reigns or Undertaker versus Goldberg. That I would not have wanted to see. So for that reason, I probably would have advised against it. But at the same time, if the old man decided to do it, who the hell am I to tell him no? You get what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And the way I look at it is, remember WrestleMania 22? It was the no-holds-barred match between Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon. Now, don't get me wrong. Shawn Michaels was Mr. WrestleMania. Obviously, he could face a trash can and turn it into a five-star match. But nevertheless... That was voted match of the year, not Vince, or not Sean in the trash can, but Sean and Vince McMahon from WrestleMania 22. I and it wasn't just because of Shawn Michaels. Vince McMahon knows for as much criticism as this guy gets, and he gets a a lot of criticism, especially lately. Yeah. This man didn't take WWE where it is now for no reason, like because he wasn't intelligent or something. He knows what he's doing. And like you said, he won't ask them to do anything that he can't do or won't do. That's why he's done stunts that are seen as epic beforehand to show the guys that, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. And I got mad respect for him because of that. And you know what? I'm just going to say I loved Daniel Bryan's in-ring return. I mean, it was amazing, and it was cool seeing how the buildup to it was, especially against – Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but you know what? One way or another, I thought we would have had one hell of a tag team match. Yeah, it would have been great. They would have found a way to make it work. A lot of people, and and I know Sting has definitely been a hot topic as of late, but even his match with Triple H, okay, I know he got hurt, so you can always look back and say, uh, nah, wasn't that great, but you know what, bro? The build-up to it was awesome, and for the most part, the match was okay. Now, let's keep in mind, though, Sting was in his 50s. Vince McMahon is in his early 70s. So it's a big difference, right? You said WrestleMania right, but it's a team match. He doesn't have to be in right. the whole time like Sting and Triple H were. Bro, listen, I'm 36, and I know how my back feels. I can only I'm imagine. I'm 25, and my back feels like crap. <laughs> Dude, I swear it's terrible. Working from home is the worst. It sucks so bad. <laughs> it really does. Well, listen, I believe we do have a caller on the line. So Ooh, looking before forward we to jump it. into the next high spots topic, let's go ahead and bring him on. Uh, Hardcore Hoss, can you unmute yourself and tell us who we got coming up uh, here on the phone line? Who do we got? Hey, all right. On this uh, call here, you got uh, 
Cody Cope from the Cody Cope Show. Very nice. Appreciate that, Hoss. All right, let's go ahead and bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, multi-time guest, or I should say caller, and big-time supporter and long-term member of the WrestleTalk family, the one and only Cody Copey. Welcome to the show, bro. What's hey. Up? Welcome, Tony. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, how are y'all good. doing? How are you doing? Doing really good. Doing really good. Wait, wait, wait. So I got to get so, your input on this one. I mean, no, wait a minute. What Jeremy, is... Jeremy, 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 I got to do Uh-oh. it. Hoss, you know the drop I'm looking for, so have it ready. How you going to call in and not be coming in with guns places? You call into the show, Cody, and you got to be ready, okay? You got you to gotta bring the heat. You already know how Russell Talk gets down. It's all about energy. Don't sit around waiting for us to ask you a question. Bring the heat, baby. Hoss, That's what I'm saying. Drop. I'm jumping around the room waiting here. <laughs> Let's go, Daddy. All right, can I? All right, so uh, something I've been wondering about with, sorry, you're cutting out, but something I've been wondering about with uh, one of the biggest things right now is, have you guys seen much about that Keith Lee and uh, Vince McMahon having issues, or Vince McMahon having issues with Keith Lee? Um, I've heard things about regarding Keith Lee and some of the other superstars, uh, namely like Otis and Omos and some of them. So if that's the same right. topic you were going talking to, about, then go, yes. Yeah, yeah, going to the uh, performance center. You know, I feel right, kind of weird. Improve their work. Of, right, but the thing is, is, I was seeing something where there was rumors where uh, Vince McMahon's gonna be getting rid of Keith Lee, um, Tucker, and Otis. Just for some reason, I don't know what it is. Doesn't Vince McMahon like big guys? He knows Keith Lee can move. Why is he going to be trying to get – you know, that's my – I've seen that. I was wondering why they're going to be trying to get rid of, you know, Keith Lee, Otis, these guys who have been – you know, it's just like a new flavor of the month. They, he's all of a sudden going to get rid of them. That's what I've been seeing on uh, on social media. Well, this is how I want to uh, put that in perspective because I did see that, and I found it really interesting and for the same reason because, I mean, when you think of Vince McMahon's – Affection for wrestlers, usually it is the big stars, you know, the giants. Um, and the way I look at it, is, from what I've also heard, Keith, Keith Lee's name was actually mistakenly put in that bunch of all the stars because he was on last night on Monday Night Raw uh, competing in a handicap match against The Miz and John Morrison. But, yeah, I heard the same thing about Otis and Omos, who we've yet to see in the ring competing since – He's been with AJ Styles. So it does bring into question what is going on backstage. And I know with everything going on due to COVID and the WWE Thunderdome and just how the ratings are struggling on television, there's been a lot of scrambling in the writer's room. Vince McMahon has been known to actually tear up the scripts to the shows literally a half hour before the show goes live. And now... Like you said, Cody, he's sending men down to the performance center to improve their in-ring work. Ones that have gotten exactly. over very well this year. Like Otis was the Money in the Bank winner for crying out loud. Yeah, you know I feel it's really weird that they just give him the uh, the, the the Money in the Bank the Money in the Bank briefcase, and then you know now it's on the Miz. Do you think Miz is going to do anything with that, or do you think that's going to go to the, you know, he's going to lose it like Sandow and Cena did? 
I personally think something will come of it. I think he will uh, successfully cash it in. Um, I believe it'll be against AJ Styles, actually. Um, but Night Owl, I want to ask you, do you think The Miz will successfully cash in the money in the bank? You know what? This is this is a great question, and I'm glad that we're still uh, batting it around because Nightmare Jones and myself talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I highly encourage everybody to go back and listen to that episode. It was a, it was a great one. Um, but I'll tell you, and my mind hasn't really changed since then. I believe that The Miz will fail in his cash-in, and, and that is indeed what's best for business because, you know, you're talking about precluding some of the bigger stars in the business right now who are not necessarily spring chickens, right, from continuing to make strides within their own careers that may have blossomed late. And here's what I mean by that. Roman Reigns in his 30s, Drew McIntyre also in his 30s. Do you want to even take away three months or six months or maybe even a year away from those guys and what they've got going on, on right now just to put the belt on the Miz for a couple of months? I mean, it just doesn't really make sense. I get the idea of maybe trying to do it for the sake of crossover, right? He's got a show on TNT, Miss and Mrs., the, the season finale's right around the corner, what have you. The bottom line to me is that from a business perspective, it could make sense but I think from a wrestling fan's perspective, you definitely don't want to see The Miz with the championship. Yes, he's a great talker, but as great as he is as a talker, he's very stale in the ring, in my opinion, compared to a Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, Drew McIntyre, or the aforementioned Keith Lee. So personally, I don't want it to happen, nor do I think it will happen. Now, I also wanted to address your comment about Keith Lee. Um, Hoss, can, can I get... Can I get the thoughts of the Irish Sheik on this? Because I'm calling BS on this whole rumor that I believe originated with Dave Meltzer. Can I get that, Hoss? Where's my Sheiky baby? I need Sheiky baby. Uh, no, no, jeez, Louise. What I got? I got. I gotta get my own drops now, Hoss. I mean, that that's fine. But what I'm telling you right now, as the drop probably is gonna hit right as I'm talking, it's bullshit. Let me tell you why. Because these superstars, ladies and gentlemen, are already at the performance center on a daily, if on a weekly, if not on a daily basis. Where do you guys think that they're practicing at? These guys are at the performance center at least three days out of the week. I would say probably the majority of the roster. If you think they're renting out Amway Center or Tropicana Field to practice, you're wrong. So this whole conversation about going back to the Performance Center is ridiculous because I think everyone is at the Performance Center already. Now, if you're saying, oh, they're moving Keith Lee back to NXT, that's a different conversation. But that's not what's I happening. I would be for that. And, and, and we've already dispelled some of that, right? Jeremy, you said that allegedly that the name was thrown in there mistakenly. So, right. Like I said, I'm calling BS top to bottom on that rumor. BS, complete BS. I'm, I'm right there with you. Fucking bullshit! <laughs> there it is. Yes! That was good It's the element of surprise, Renee. The element of surprise. <laughs> Woo-hoo. All right, hold on a second. I got, a, I got a comment. Don't go anywhere, Cody. I got a comment here off of the uh, Facebook. Again, guys, free merch. Zack Ryder autograph picture provided to us by the Cody Kofi Show. Win it by calling in, being the best caller of the day. 
And you're first in line to talk to Gangrel when we talk to him in the second hour. So don't miss your opportunity, guys. 657-383-1521. And I want to say this to my man, Pinky Pinky. I'm not asking anybody because you never explain yourself. So if you want to ask people these questions, ask them to your damn self. Dial the number, call in, don't be a coward. All right, hold on. Quick comment here from the uh, from the comment section on our Facebook Live. Guys, please share. We're begging you. It says, they wouldn't move the money in the bank briefcase off Otis and put it on Miz if they were going, if they weren't going to do a failed cash-in. See, Ron, my guy, I want you to call in and give that take, bro, because that's a good take. I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and I agree with Susie. Miz is not in the league of the other top players right now when it comes to in-ring performance, even though he's one of the best on the mic. So go ahead, Jeremy. I just wanted to pop in there and uh, and give some shout-out to our listeners right now. Well, then I'm going to give my uh, quick, quick little cheap pop type thing in there when I say for all you that want to promote, anyone who want to keep into wrestling news as well as sports news, just head on over to Interstate 70 Sports Media, which is a sponsor, I believe, of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Am I correct, right Al? Oh, uh, bro, 100%. Guys, go over to WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Go over to the merch tab. And right there, we've got a direct link to I-70 Sports Media. Go ahead and click that beautiful green banner with the I-70 logo. I-70 Interstate Sports. You guys are covering everything, bro, from the NFL to the baseball offseason. What I would love to see a little bit more of, just, just me personally, Jeremy, just as a constructive critic, I would love to see you guys talk about basketball a little bit more. And I know it's tough because in Kansas and Missouri, we don't have professional teams. And I, I know it's a little tough. But, bro, KU and MU basketball is a huge deal. So when that time and of the year goes back around. And Illinois, too. So, yeah, I get you. That's a great point. That, that's a great point. So when that time of the year rolls back around, March Madness, you know, we're just a couple of months away, I know I'm going straight over I-70 Sports Media for all my college basketball-related information, bro. I'll be there. You know it. And I expect all you guys to go over there and give those guys a like as well. That's the bottom awesome. line. Awesome. Because the said so. Now, I have a question for you. I have a big high spot topic that I was wondering if I may bring up. Go for it, brother. All right, because you and I have been talking a lot about this gentleman all week long. This is about good old JR. Now, good old Jim Ross. Here we go. So, he was recently interviewed with the ad free shows. Jim Ross, the AEW commentator, he discussed. The 2008 WWE Draft, which, believe it or not, I can't remember what I ate yesterday, and yet I can remember the WWE Draft in 2008. What was most notable about that draft was that Jim Ross was drafted to SmackDown and Michael Cole was drafted to Monday Night Raw. What's interesting about this interview is the fact that Jim Ross was not aware this was going to happen. He says... It was fumbled and not handled well. He was told the night before the draft that they would not do it. They would not do that because they would not split up John Madden and Pat Summerall. So why split up JR and the King? And then the next night, what happened? A match ended, and JR got drafted to SmackDown without any warning. He slammed down the headset, and I think that's where things started to get sour with him and the company. Niall, I, I want your thoughts on this because I know there is another thing about Jr. that you and I also talked about this week. Seems like he's been saying a lot of hot takes 
and this is just one of them. But what, what do you think about this one? The WWE doing All right. Bad? All right. No, I, I love that you brought this up, Jeremy. And by the way, guys, Jeff Manning, a.k.a. Morty Lipschitz, is going to be with us in just a matter of moments. And we're still trying to give away this Zack Ryder autographed picture to the best caller of the night. You can call in throughout the night, bring a hot take, just like our boy Cody did, who actually gave this to us on behalf of the Cody Kofi Show to give away to you guys. So make sure you guys keep dialing that number and sharing this broadcast. It's 657-383-1521. So let me get to it. And here's the way I'm going to ask this question. And, and forgive me because I'm sure some out there will say, Night Owl, you are blasphemous. You are ridiculous. You're out of line. You're coloring outside of the lines. But you know what? This is the Wrestle Talk podcast. And we're going to do what we're going to do, baby. So deal with it. Here it is. Is Jim Ross turning into a grumpy old baby? That's the question. Because let me tell you something. From putting himself in this, and again, I'm just, I'm just painting a picture here. I'm not saying my picture is right. I'm just painting a picture. From the story you brought up to when he was drafted to SmackDown and wasn't notified and him being all upset, which led uh, probably was, was one of the many things that agitated him to the point where he no longer wanted to continue his career with WWE, which eventually led to him going to AEW years later. And then now this story about the super kicks and the finishers. He's going back and forth with guys in his own locker room about whether or not what he said was out of line. And here's the thing. Many of you guys don't know what he said. And here on the WrestleTalk podcast, we aim to please. So we're going to go ahead and give you those comments abbreviated. Forgive me. Let me go ahead and pull up my notes. So here's the comment. Take it as you will. I told the kid the other day at AEW that everybody does the same effing spot. All you guys go outside, you cluster up like coils, you stand there in a huddle, friends and foes together, side by side, you, so you can catch some leaping idiot going off the top, whoever wins. going Okay, so whoever comes off the top, and nobody ever wins with this move. They are looking for holy shit chance, and they love to hear this is awesome. It's a spot, folks, a trapeze act. I don't buy into stuff like that. That was followed by equally frustrated comments from good old JR about super kicks and DDTs, in his opinion, still needing to be finishers. Listen, the beauty of pro wrestling today, in my opinion, Maestro, is that there's not just one flavor, right? If you like high energy, High pace, lots of kickouts and things like that, lots of false finishes. You've got Pro Wrestling Gorilla. You've got WWE. If you like something a little bit more old school, a little bit more slow pace, you've got MLW. You've got NWA. I think he's agitated because what he's seeing in AEW is quite opposite of what he considers to be good wrestling. And guess what? Everybody saw this coming. Jim Ross is maybe the only person in the whole world that didn't see this coming because you could have you could have basically predicted that at some point JR was going to start calling these guys out on their bull crap. So to me, he's not a cranky old baby. He's just he just has expectations of AEW that I don't think align with what their vision is. And yeah, they'll give you a good old Cody Rhodes versus Dustin 
codes and they can still do matches like that. But on week in week out week in week week out basis, Maestro, that's not what AEW is giving us. That's what that's not what their fans are asking for. And, and I think it's a little unrealistic of Jr. to be asking for this. I really do believe he should have seen it coming. But at the same time, the guy's got the authority and the autonomy to say whatever the hell he wants. Because you know why? Because he's good old Jr. Damn it! And if you don't like it, you can kick rocks. Period. The dude. what I think about it. And you yeah. know what? Like I said, on the Wrestle Talk podcast, anything goes, everything, you just lay it all out in the line, and I'm going to say it. At least to a halfway extent, I agree with Jim Ross on this. Yep. Halfway. And I'll tell you the half. I watch right. the Young Buck every week on Dynamite. Talented tag team, one of the best in the whole world. I will admit that. But I'm not going to lie. I'm getting sick of the super kicks. Constantly. I I don't have enough time to count and write down how many super kicks they do in a match. Like Imagine I said, it's extremely talented. Imagine if you it, had to take a shot after each super kick. Can oh, my imagine? God. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's what Adam Page does backstage every week. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I, I agree with it. And you know what, though? At the same time, you don't see anymore the days when a deep arm drag or a scoop slam ends the match or count kicks out at two. Those are moves in the sequence. A super kick to me is a finisher. I think when, I think the Young Bucks finisher is one of the best finishers in all professional wrestling. I think the yes. DDT oh, is one of the greatest finishers in general in professional wrestling right. history. And I understand, to me, I look at it as you would a wrestling promotion extravaganza. What happens, it's called oversaturation. You do one right. move too much, then it becomes saturated to the point where people don't believe it has any meaning. And then we'll, we'll put this for a quick uh, example. Say somebody does a DDT. You've seen it a million times. They've never yeah. gotten pinned on it lately. But say this one instance. They get pinned on the DDT, and you say to yourself, and they say, hey, we caught you off guard. Just because they catch you off guard once, that doesn't make it a good twist. That's my thinking of it. Look, I love – like I said, I love the Young Bucks, and I half agree with JR. I also half agree with you on saying he's becoming a bit grumpy because I don't hear any <laughs> positive interviews from him these days. I love the guy. I grew up listening to him and the King every Monday night for – Let's see, from about 2005 on until they, you know, and then I grew up listening to Michael Cole and JBL on SmackDown. So I've heard Jim Ross most of my wrestling fandom life. And you don't hear many positive interviews from him anymore. I love the guy. I got so much respect for him. But hot damn, say something good for once. Like, just please. Because I'm not going to lie, so much negativity, and why be negative? You're an AEW, the fastest rising promotion. You're kicking NXT's ass in the ratings every single week, and you've got some of the most talented wrestlers in the world. You've got cross promotions going around. I'm telling you, like I said, I half agree with you, and I half agree with him. Dude, 
no doubt about it. Well, on that note, guys, we're going to go ahead and transition to our first featured interview of the evening. And we're going to keep this topic going. And I actually want to know, because we didn't get a chance to talk about this last time with Jeff Manning, what he thinks about the professional wrestling he sees now um, to what he was, what he walked into when he got into refereeing and managing back in 2002. I'm very, very curious to see what he thinks. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and a pleasure to welcome back a loyal member of the WrestleTalk family, hailing from the west side over in good old California, the Bay Area to be specific, okay? The one and only, formerly known as Morty Lipschitz, ladies and gentlemen, my amigo, your amigo, Jeff Manning! God, I yes, hate that song. I hate that damn song to a to a to a T. Who who paid you to play that? Who? We do our research, Jeff. Ah. What do you want me to tell you? We we like to give you a, a moment time. of silence. We'll now you're a little slow on that response, pal. And I don't want to have to moderate between you two fighting tonight either. You know, I mean, if you want to fight, I'll I'll go along with part of it. Because you're both right. We get right, along you're both better wrong. than most combinations do. Don't you worry. Don't we, Night Owl? <laughs> That's right. Oh. Hey, yeah. Deadly combo. You poor guys. Jeff, hey, I'll tell you about my thoughts on JR if you want to know him before we get going. Yeah, please, please, into anything else? Please do. All yeah, right. I have only met JR one time. It was a Cauliflower Alley uh, convention too many years ago. And he was grumpy then. Um, I've never seen him <laughs> smile. If he knows you and he likes you, I understand he's pleasant. But if you go say hi, nice to meet you, it's kind of like, forgive my French, fuck you guys. That's what he's like. That's, that's my impression of him. So he's a grumpy old man. Um, you know, I'm old, not as old as he is, I hope. And I try to stay young and, and friendly and positive when I can. There are times to be negative, absolutely, in any business, especially our beloved pro wrestling business. But you got to maintain a more positive outlook. Maybe he's passed his time with any major or even minor pro wrestling company. And that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. And it's been nice being here because I'm probably going to get shot. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, Jim Roth got some shooters, man. Just be careful when you order that JR's barbecue sauce, bro. Who knows? It might be laced with something. Um, Jeremy, I, stick to, uh, I stick to West Coast what? barbecue sauce. It's okay. West Coast barbecue sauce? Bro, you got you to gotta let me you. send you some barbecue sauce. You know I'm in Kansas I'll State, take right, it. Jeff? You take it? All right, we'll talk Say about it here, man. I'm going to send you a bottle of good stuff. Okay. I'll take it, and don't charge me more than it's worth. Yes, well, damn it. I can't okay. expect – I'm, I'm not supposed to accept free gifts, but I'll, 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 I'll take this one. What if the postage <laughs> We like have crappy-ass barbecue sauce out <laughs> here, but it's what we get. <laughs> Jeremy. I love good old Southern barbecue. Anyway, go ahead. I'm I'm interrupting, and you you guys are in charge here. Nah, no worries. Aren't you? Personally, I like the dry rub stuff a little bit better myself, the St. Louis style. My Kansas City people are going to kill me right now, but it's okay. Uh, You know what, Jeremy, you were not here for our last interview. It was Joe and I with Jeff Manning. Why don't you go ahead and take the lead, man, so I don't steal any of your questions. All righty. So, Jeff, I got to ask this one. 
you know, I'm into media and radio and broadcasting. And I want to ask you, you began your career in 1992, but you had spent 15 years in radio and broadcasting and television. Is that correct? I am that old. I started my radio career on a little <laughs> station in beautiful 20,000 population Lompoc, California back in 1971. You guys weren't even Wonderful. born then. You weren't even you, you weren't even thought about being conceived then, were you? I mean, probably not. Uh, well, it's 2020 and I'm still not thought of, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I worked in Lompoc. I think my dad Go ahead. I think my dad was somewhere sniffing cocaine in nineteen seventy one. I'm just to be just to be honest, just to keep it one hundred. Renee's <laughs> passing down the family tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, yes, I spent a lot of good years in broadcasting. I, I had a great time. I was in radio, did a little bit of uh T V work off and on, a lot of voiceover work. It kept me employed and kept the wife off my ass. Uh, but um you know, times change. So that was that question. Do I need to uh, continue with that and, and expand, or you want to ask away? Well, I'm, I'm an open book. To the next one. What's up, Renee? Go ahead. Go ahead. You got to be awesome. on your Jeff. He's ready to go. Hell yeah. I'm ready. So this is the thing. So like I said, you spent 15 years in the field of broadcasting, radio, and television, but it was after meeting a fellow disc jockey who was a ring announcer in the Bay Area where – you started to segue into the career of professional wrestling. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. I'd always been uh, a semi-closeted fan, as most of us were back in those days. I had, and this is really going to date me here, I had an old black and white TV in my bedroom, and my parents would come in and see wrestling and threaten to take the TV away. But um, I did meet this gentleman. His name is Pat Kelly. He was working in the Bay Area, did some stuff at the old Cow Palace back in the day. And uh, I was doing my disc jockey show at uh, KJOY in beautiful Stockton, California. And they said, hey, we're going to bring on this guy. He's, he's your age. Uh, can you get him trained on the equipment, so on and so forth? And he came in, and I got him trained on the stuff. And so basically I got him into radio. He got me into wrestling. It was a very strange relationship, and I've known Pat for uh, 40 years. I'm going to let it go at that. I am that old, guys. I am that old. Oh. Okay, well, then I got the, then this will be the last question that might date you. Um, so what were something you said you were always a closeted fan of professional wrestling. What, mm -hmm. Who were some of the ones that you really admired the most in the wrestling business growing up? Oh, you're going to kill me with this. If the people, I told you okay. it's the last uh, one I'm going to date you with. <laughs> no, that's okay. I don't mind being dated. Um, I loved Edouard Carpentier. I never got to see Gorgeous George live. That was before my time. Uh, Freddie Blassie, when he was the biting Freddie Blassie, was one of my favorites back then. I loved him. Uh, the Tolis Brothers, that was my era. Uh, we used to have a wrestling at the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, where I was born on Friday nights. And then on Saturday nights, we had roller derby. I had a great, great weekend all the time doing both. So, yes, I've dated myself with some of those guys. And even a young Pedro Morales, a young Tito Santana, but uh, Blassie and the Tolises and Carpentier probably were my favorites growing up. That's awesome. Very nice. Now, eventually, you do any of your listeners? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do any of your listeners know who uh, Edward Carpentier was, or should I not ask? Uh well, this is what the comment section's for, ain't that right, Renee? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Somebody pay uh, for that. 
We'll put a we'll put a special prize out for somebody who actually knows who's listening that knows who he is. They're gonna cheat though. They're they're Wrestle Talk fam. You already know. They're gonna think they're gonna Google it. You well, already know. Drake thinks well Drake thinks I cheat every week on the game show challenge. So I quite frankly at this point we're going Eddie Guerrero on this one. <laughs> or at least a dusty finish, right? Gotta have that dusty finish every so often. That's a good one. <laughs> so here we go. Now we're gonna kinda turn time forward. You eventually moved right. up to the wonderful state of Oregon, and yep. it was in 2002 you got back into refereeing and managing. What kind of got yeah, you away from it, and what segued you back into it? Okay, I, well, when I lived in California, um, I was involved with wrestling down there a little bit, uh, refereeing, and moved to Oregon. My wife, we wanted to get out of California, obviously, that's especially now, but even then it wasn't the place to be back in the early two, 2000s. So um, we, she was working for the Gannett newspaper chain, as, as in USA Today, and we were able to get her transferred up to the local paper up here in Salem, Oregon. Didn't know much about wrestling up in the area, and I was cruising the Internet in its early infancy and saw there was a, a wrestling group in Eugene, and I got a hold of the guy, and they said, well, hey, why don't you come on down? And next thing I knew, I drove the ring truck my first night and refereed my second night, and that's kind of how it all started again. Did that for about uh, two and a half, three years working for two or three indies refereeing pretty much, and then decided to take the plunge like most idiots in the business and start a company. But we're, uh, we were going to have our 15th anniversary show in March. That, of course, never happened. So we're still patiently waiting for us to be able to run again. But that's how we got into it. Just It's, it's just one of those, I guess, unlucky things. And here we are all these years later still dealing with, some really cool people in the business, including you two, and then some real yeah. bozos in the business, of which I think there's more idiots than than smart people. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get yelled at for this too. Most wrestlers who are good wrestlers make crappy promoters, and the problem I'm seeing right now is you need to have some business background to survive unless you want to lose your ass financially, and I'm not seeing that hardly anywhere. Wow. Yeah. That's my great. Great thought. You you keep griping, keep on going unfiltered, and we'll keep airing. <laughs> That's how I look at it. <laughs> oh, there go your ratings, guys. Down the toilet. No. Um, go! Yeah, no, I'm disappointed. Oh, my God. I'm disappointed, honestly, that so many wrestlers think it's easy to run a wrestling company, and it's not. We've been, like I said, we're 15 years old, give or take the months we haven't run. Um, I'll be very honest. I'll share some financials with you. We stopped our TV shows in 2008 because we lost sponsors, but our house show with 150 to 200 fans and bringing people in from around the country still netted me profit of an average of 1500 bucks a show can be done. Wow. Yeah. Turning a it's profit hard on a work. Show, trust me. me. Yeah. And I'll be I, happy to I, share I, my bookkeeping with anybody who wants to see it. <laughs> it's it's right, legit. Personally, I, I've run three shows and have yet to turn, and we had pretty good turnout, uh, close to 200 uh, on the first two, and then about 100 uh, some odd on the fir- on the third one. Never even got close to breaking even, bro. So personally, I can tell you, yep. I know how hard it is to, to even break even, let alone make a profit. That's a big deal. Yeah, well, two keys to it. One, you got to have sponsors. You have to have sponsors because on Absolutely. ticket sales of anywhere from what 10 to 20 bucks, if you're lucky, you're, you're not going right. to pay the bills unless you don't want to pay the guys. 
And the problem we have in Oregon, and I mentioned this uh, last time you guys had me on, there are so many promotions in the Portland area and surrounding areas, and the same guys work every promotion. And the reason we outdrew most of them was because we had different people. I flew them in from around the country. And even if they weren't names, they fit in with our format, and the, the fans loved them, and we did well. But that costs money, too, so you have to have sponsors. It's very true. That makes all the and, sense. Uh, makes all the sense in the world. What else you got, Jeremy? Well, that's the thing. It's, I'm glad you mentioned about – I guess it's kind of unfortunate, but I'm also glad you mentioned all these wrestling promotions in Oregon because earlier Renee and I were talking about, you know, the thing with good old JR and his positive outlook on life and how I had brought up <laughs> the topic of the oversaturation of promotions. How I believe mm. there is such a thing as too many wrestling promotions out there. And because of that, I think it's detrimental to everyone in the industry. Now, I don't know if you fully agree with me on that. Halfway, don't agree at all. I just want your thoughts on that one. Well, as long as Renee doesn't get mad, I agree 150%. We are oversaturated. And again, people just want to start promotions because they want to wrestle for their company. They want to have their own title. You've heard that line before, I'm sure. Um, The problem we have up here, we have 13 promotions in a 60-mile area of Oregon where there weren't that many people. A lot of the fans went to the same – went to all the shows, those who could afford it. Um, We had the advantage of being in Salem 60 miles away, but again, people – with the internet, particularly people know everybody. And how many times have they got, forgive me for this. I love Alexander Hammerstone. We gave him his first TV break. He's doing okay for himself today, but how many places in town are going to have Hammerstone working and be successful with it? Not that many. It, and what the guys don't get, what the boys and the girls in the business don't understand, they're devaluing themselves by working every promotion. They're no longer unique. I had one little rule we had. If I flew somebody in, they either worked for me only in my market or go work for all the others, and, and God be with you, I'm okay with that. And it pissed some people off, but it kept us unique looking, and we still rotated through people we flew in and had a few regulars, like a gangrel who obviously – was still marketable then and still is today. But you you got to have variety in a market when you have so many promotions. If everybody ran different people, maybe it would have been the same, or it might have been better, shall we say. But I don't know that for a fact either. But, yes, I agree with you 150%. Too much saturation in a market kills the business. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you look at that perspective. But like I said, it is so unfortunate because – See, out here in the St. Louis area, I mentioned it with Herb Simmons uh, just last week that St. Louis is like St. Louis, Missouri is like the hub for professional wrestling. We had wrestling at the Chase, and it was the St. Louis Wrestling Club, you know, for for over 35 years. And nowadays, there's so many great promotions out here. You know, there's World League Res- Wrestling that was Harley Race's promotion. There's Dynamo right. Pro Wrestling, which we love, wonderful promotion. There's SICW. And the thing of it is, they're all wonderful promotions, all run, you know, by very talented businessmen. Unfortunately, not everywhere is as fortunate, and not everywhere has the same metropolitan population. We have over 2 million in the metro area out here. I mean, you mentioned you had 13 promotions in a 60-mile radius, and, you know, obviously with all uh, respect, you know, up in Oregon, it's not as populated as some of the other – No. Areas. It isn't. Now, and in the old the territory days, yeah, in the old territory days, though, they had Don Owen ran all of Oregon and Washington. 
Um, different, you know, the territory days probably will never come back. They might not work anyway. But there were a couple of promotions. That was it. And they ran, you know, every week and it made money for them. But again, today, it just isn't working. You just can't have a zillion promotions in a small area and succeed. We were lucky. Um, and again, we pulled our TV show after four and a half years on the Fox TV station because the economy got so bad. My 10 grand a month in sponsors dropped out. And without the 10 grand, I wasn't going to run TV. You know, yeah, it, it's I... still dollars and cents. If you want to run a promotion, just to have fun. I hope you have a lot of money to do it and go for it. But they all look alike. In addition, right. you know, we're, we're, we're different. I know that, you know, you're obviously, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just, Oh no, you're I fine. So I was, I was kind shit. of reciprocating <laughs> the same, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of reciprocating the same point because it was a few months ago, or actually it was just last month. I had a guest on who wrestled up in Washington and I, I had watched some of his matches and there was maybe 20 or 30 people attending these events. And it was yep. just, the promotion was basically bleeding you know, yep. and eventually they went out of business and the promoter was so heartbroken. But at the same time, it's like, it, it's, it's a fun thing for you to do as, as to get into, but at the same time, you cannot be surprised in this day and age if you go under. And it sounds so heartbreaking, but it's the harsh reality because it's the oversaturation of the market. Yep. And it's not as much fun as you may think dealing with, the wrestlers of today, and I know I get 30 seconds at the end to do my bitch, so I don't want to get into that bitch quite yet, but um, the, the business is not what it was. People need to grow up, um, act like adults, don't think they're the only ones who matter, and that's just a hint of my 30 seconds, but, uh, you know, it's the bit, all businesses evolved. Pro wrestling has evolved, and, um, you know, as, as you had mentioned, Jeremy, um, there's room for a lot of different styles. We are still an old school. We call it old school with a new school twist. The concept is old school where good battles evil, you know, and the fans go ballistic here. Our, if we put 250 people in our little building, when the heels come out, you'd think there was a, a riot going on somewhere. The fans go ballistic because we make them believe. Uh, but there's also the newer style. Again, you just said the PWGs, um, AEW, WWE. There's a place for everybody. But particularly in this market, you can't have 10 of the 12 promotions all doing the same thing. It didn't work. The only good thing about this damn time off we're taking is I'm hoping, and this will be mean, that at least half the promotions don't start up again. Right. Well, Renee. It's cruel, but it's true. I, I know you are ready for this. I'm tagging you in, brother. The interview's yours. Go for it. I, I didn't see the damn tag. I'm counting you back out. One, two, three. Come on now. No, no, we're ready. He was holding the rope, and it wasn't a shoulder tag, Jeff. It was a good palm-to-palm tag. Good palm-to-palm tag. I didn't see it, man. I'll let it go this time, but next time you make sure I see that damn tag. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, we really have to get this straight, and we actually have a referee on the line. We really do have to get that figured out. Yeah, that's right. In this jungle, the zebra is king, not the lion. No question about it. There you go. There you go. So let me jump into something real quick because you talked about TV, and I'm curious because yep. I know you were running uh, um, in, in Las Vegas, right? And you guys were filming yep. in for Paragon uh, Pro. Talk to me a little bit, if you don't mind, about your time on Pop TV and what it was working with a big network like that. Okay. Um, 
working with big networks, having been in broadcasting myself, they tried to pull the wool over my eyes on some areas. Well, we can do this, that, and I knew it was a bunch of shit. Um, All right. I loved the TV show, and a lot of the guys you're seeing on AEW Dark lately started their TV career with us at Paragon. Alex Chamberlain, a couple other guys that have been on it, and I'm, I'm glad to see they're doing well. Yeah, the TV guys. show was great. We had – uh, D'Lo Brown, we had Matt Stryker, both of them in the back. We had the original grappler, Len Denton, was helping in the back. Um, Gangrel was working the show, Sin Bodhi. So we had people teaching the people the way to do TV. And whether it doesn't matter whether you're old school or new school, to make TV successful, you got to make it a TV show that makes sense and that people are going to want to watch. Um, but we had a great time. It was a lot of work. Uh, we had a tape. Uh, eight episodes. Uh, we went every other month towards the end, eight episodes a weekend. When we did a monthly four episodes, it was a lot easier because guys came in the day before. We cut uh, a lot of the pre-tapes the day before, day of show. <clears throat> Pardon me. We had to you know, get all the all the matches sync and everything ready, work on the finishes. That day would start at 8 a.m. and end about midnight. And then we all flew home to our various homes the next morning. So a lot of work, but I loved it. I really did. And the network was not great to work with. Uh, they stiffed me on financial things they promised. Uh, not uncommon. And in those days, and much of today, it is pay to play. Uh, we paid, believe it or not, to be on pop at uh, 7 in the morning on a, a Saturday. I want to say it was either 3 or 4 grand an episode. And that wasn't prime time. People still DVR'd back then, but that's what we paid. Um, they wanted to raise it to like 15 grand and that's when i said no i'm not going to pay you guys 60 grand a month not worth it but as we also found out also about an impact that was dealing with them behind our back when as soon as we were gone they got right in which was also not allowed per our contract but i didn't want to you know i'm 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 almost a nice guy sometimes and i didn't see it was worth the while to go after him because i didn't want to go back on good and bad news again it was a great show we loved it quick question was that like on a like on a non-compete type deal? Um, yeah, basically we had a non-compete clause, and part of it did say uh, other companies cannot negotiate with Pop until we are off of the air. And they were negotiating for about four or five months. Ah, oh, good old wrestling business. <laughs> Don't you love it, man? It's just there's nothing I'd rather do. I keep telling myself No business that. like show business. Yo, like tell me about it. Good one. Hey, the maestro's on point tonight. So let me transition from that because you, you brought him up a few times, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. So clearly our second hour uh, featured guest is Gangrel, and we're obviously really excited. The name recognition is there, uh, highly respected in the business. But something you said earlier kind of struck a note with me, and I'm, I'm curious to kind of have you expand upon it. And, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but you said typically guys – who do well in wrestling think it's a seamless transition to becoming a promoter or a trainer or something of the sort. And typically it doesn't work out that well. Well, clearly for, for David Heath, uh, AKA Gangrel, it's going pretty well. He's got good things going down in, in Southern Florida, which is kind of where I grew up. And uh, yep. uh, he continues to be a draw. You, you said that as well uh, in your comments yep. earlier. He still, so is. I'm curious. he still is. No, he's killing it, dude. He, he really is. And people want to hear from him. Uh, he's got a great perspective. He was able to kind of keep all his marbles. You know, a lot of guys leave the business not a, not 100% there versus where they were when they first started. Uh, talk to us about your experiences with him. I know, like I said, I know you mentioned him a few times. 
but you work with them. Uh, you help facilitate this interview. I got to give you credit for that as well. So can you talk to us a little bit about uh, Gangrel, the entertainer, and maybe even David Heath, the man that I know you're familiar with? Oh, uh, it's. I, I hope he's signed in and listening because he won't believe I'm saying nice things about him. But David Heath is probably the most professional person I have ever worked with in my 20 years in this damn business. Um, he's polite. He's professional. If you do something wrong in a match, he doesn't yell and scream the first time, but you got to listen to him. Um, he's got the experience. He is probably one of the best teachers. He's done some seminars at our school as well. Um, the business, I don't know if he's making money or losing money. That's between him and you. If you want to ask him how he's doing, I know he complains a little bit about, damn, it's hard to run this damn school. So it's not easy for him, but he's got a lot of students, and they're probably going to be some of the best trained students in anywhere to make it into this business. Hopefully some of them will. And I can't say anything bad about David Heath, even if I wanted to, because there's nothing I can say bad about him. And worst of all now, he's getting in better shape. He was getting a little flabby there, Dave, but no, he is. And I told him that the other day on the phone, he is looking amazing. He is old enough to know better. I won't share his age. He can, if he wants, but he's been around a number of years. And I value my life. He can still hurt me, you know? But That's he right. has decided to to get himself into tip 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 top shape, and he's looking damn good. But the a, a great guy, uh, again my my favorite guy in the business ever. Nobody will ever replace him as my favorite to work with or just to have as a friend. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And Morty don't talk nice this often, but um, it's the damn truth, guys. It is the truth. Dude, that that's phenomenal, and it's so crazy to hear you uh, say that, Jeff because of some of the people that you have had the chance to work with. And, and I would be uh, uh, also remiss if I didn't ask you about this individual who we recently saw reappear at WWE Survivor Series. And I'm talking about Percy Pringle the Third, Paul Bearer. Jeff, being a guy that actually had the opportunity to share a locker room with uh, Percy Pringle uh, on at least one occasion – I'm curious, man. Many occasions. Did it strike a chord with you? Did it strike a chord with you to see him make that appearance during Undertaker's retirement speech or ceremony or whatever you want to call it at Survivor Series? Did it mean anything to you to see that happen and to see him reappear in the way that he did for that special moment? Yeah. And he also would probably be my second favorite guy I ever work with. Uh, another consummate professional. He just is, you know, his characters were a little bit, uh, you know, kind of like Morty, only worse. Uh, but again, a, a super dude. And I'm glad that was able to, to take place. I really was. Um, his last, uh, I worked with him his last four years of life, both at, uh, at the Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And he worked for me up here in Oregon a few times. We became close friends. We had similar things. Uh, his father was starting to get real sick and my mother was getting real sick. And then a Percy ended up passing before both of them. Actually, my mother passed away two weeks before Percy. That was a rough month. February of 2013 was not a fun month for me. I think I cried more when I, when Percy passed him with my mom, neither here nor there, but that's the kind of guy he was. But we, we talk every week. Uh, we shoot the ball. Um, another great guy. And I, you know, I miss him terribly. Just you have no idea. I learned so damn much from him, and I kept learning from everybody, even at my advanced age. I don't care who I brought in. I learned from Gangrel, Matt Stryker, Percy, all of them. You're never too old to learn something in this business. I believe that, man. So so I, I guess it's fair to say that what they did uh, for the Undertaker retirement uh, at Survivor Series 
You thought it was well done, classy. You know, there was people complaining. There was no one in the crowd. He deserved this. He deserved that. But for you, I, I thought it was fantastic being a, a guy that grew up. I did. Uh, Absolutely. The, I did. Absolutely. I, I thought they did a great job at it. I don't know what you think, Jeremy. I don't know what you think, Jeff. But I thought that it was fantastic. Absolutely. Can't argue Dang with that yeah, at all. God, we're all agreeing on something. I'm not doing my job, but we're all three going to agree. This is wrong. <laughs> yeah, hey, you've been agreeing with me almost the whole time, so I'm doing a hell of a job. <laughs> well, you're the newer <laughs> kid on the block of me. I'm double the other bozo. You know, and the last time we had that, we had the podcast, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we actually almost like Renee. Um, I, I won't ask where Joe is. I, I must have scared him off. Is he still with you guys, I hope? No, he is. Well, here's what we did, Jeff, and you'll dig Contract this. negotiations. We yeah, we expanded. We added uh, two new hosts. We're still doing a show every single week and additional content. Uh, people love the Wrestle Talk podcast, man, but Joe and myself, we couldn't keep up with the demand, so we brought on two young, talented cats, uh, Jeremy Carp, the maestro, and uh, the thoroughbred of lust. He's going to love hearing me say that. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, Lee. Uh, these two guys have great energy, great vibes. And, and let me tell you, man, the Wrestle Talk podcast continues to expand and and, uh, and just get better. Twenty twenty one is going to be a big year for us for sure. But let me say this: I know you said that you don't like the fact that we're disagreeing, so that makes me feel like we need to bring up the energy in the room. And I have just the ingredient to do that. Hardcore Hoss, you know what to do, baby. It's time to get into tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk podcast shoot and shout segment, where each one of us gets thirty to forty five seconds to go off about anything and everything that happens to be pissing us off, and it doesn't even have to be wrestling-related. You know what to do, Hardcore Hoss, our lovely audio engineer. Hit that music, and let's kick off the high spot segment. I mean, the shoot and shout segment. Let's go. eBay, there's no chance in hell that I'm going into 2021 
in the green financially. There's no question I'm going to be in the red because no matter if, even if I close my eyes and just point at one thing, I'm spending over $250. PlayStation 5 and oh my gosh, Oculus headphone. I don't even know what the hell an Oculus is. Can somebody tell me what an Oculus is? I don't even know what the hell that is. I'm going crazy over here. This is my shoot and shout segment, and honestly, I need to seek therapy because these kids are driving me off the freaking edge. Jeremy, please save us with your shoot and shout because I'm about to cry over here. Oh, well, then you might not want to hear mine because guess what? I mean, a lot of people my age are pissing me off too, and especially a lot of these kids. Let me tell you something from my shoot and shout. All right. Recently, a video game called Cyberpunk 2077 came out. Now, this game was super hyped. I mean, one of the most hyped games in years. It already won awards for video games, and it hadn't even come out yet like two damn years ago. So it just came out, and immediately there was game, there was crashes, there were bugs, there was glitches. But what was it about? The graphics. Not the gameplay, the graphics. And I'm thinking to myself, look, I'm 25 years old. The first console I grew up on is a Nintendo 64. So I'm thinking to myself, you all complaining about graphics? Shit, I just played No Mercy WWF, and it was fun as hell. And that's 64-bit. So what are you talking about, graphics? Get the hell out of here with that. I popped in. It is about gameplay. I popped in Space Invaders on my Atari 2600, and I was having a blast. But Lord knows, because there's a pixel on the screen, uh, not on an 80-inch TV like everybody has these days, that it's not their big old glitches and graphics. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. So that's my shoot and shout. It just irks my soul that people don't care about the true gameplay and the story-drivenness of video games these days. Jeff, what you got, buddy? I don't get it. I've only got a 50-inch TV, God damn it. A 50-inch TV. How'd you get, how do these guys get 80-inch TVs? doesn't matter. All I right, I have a two-parter. TV. I don't know how anybody else gets one, but they curve all God. the way around the room. I mean, talk about surround sound. Jesus. Holy shit. All right. Well, I got a two-parter, wrestling-related, because last time I didn't do wrestling-related. The first one, and I'm sure Gangrel, when he comes on, will can address this as well. I kind of touched on it earlier. I get effing sick and tired of all these 120-pound kids who want to be wrestlers, even the 200-pound kids, they want to train once and become a champion. Get your effing asses in the ring, train hard, and don't expect the world to be handed to you on a platter, goddammit. It sickens to hell out of me. And there are some people that have worked for me that think I'm a piece of shit. Good for them, because I fired them because their attitude sucked. They wanted this, they wanted that. If you won't come, let me bring my tag team partner, I don't want to come. Then stay the fuck home, asshole. Part two is wrestling-related. We used to have a, a sponsor. Voodoo Donuts, and I was so pissed off when they had to pull out of our Portland TV show because we got dozens of donuts for every goddamn show. And if you don't think pro wrestlers don't eat donuts, you guys have no effing clue what they eat. Enough said. (laughs) Yes! That is amazing. Dude, and let me tell you something, Jeff. This is how I want my barbecue sauce, damn it. Okay. Let me tell you, okay. the, connections, the connections that we're able to make here on the Wrestle Talk podcast are outstanding. We have uh, wrestling's 
main attraction, Chris Brady, who happens to be in the Portland area, who would love to work for you. I'm going to have him reach out to you, Jeff. Hardworking kid. Please I've do. Seen him. I, I heard he, had, I, he just moved there, didn't he? I believe he just moved to the area. Yes, he did about a year ago. Yep. Hardworking kid. Hopefully he'll See? be reaching out to you. But you know what? After that shoot shot, all I can say is this. There's a reason Jeff Manny is a longtime member of the WrestleTalk family because whenever he comes on, he brings the heat, he fires the guns, live ammunition, as they say, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff, before you go, two things. Number one, thank you so much for making time for us, bro. Always an honor and a pleasure. And number two, where do people keep up with you? You got anything online, uh, Paragon Pro, maybe old school episodes, something that you've got coming up in the near future, bro? Drop the knowledge. What do people need to know to keep up with you? What I'm going to have to do, we're working a deal to have our entire library out there paid for by somebody else from the 250 episodes on Portland and the, I forget how many we did on Paragon, the 100 and something. So I will make sure when that happens, I will let you guys know and you can let everybody know. Right now we're negotiating because being Jewish, I'm a cheap son of a bitch and I'm not going to give the damn shit away. I'm Jewish too. Let's go. Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> no, we are working on it right now. Uh, I met a really good guy who gets wrestling shows out uh, out and about and sells them to people to get them aired. So uh, bear with me. We're probably a month or two away from that decision, but I will keep all of the your your folk and you folk personally uh, up to date when it is, and I'll make sure you, you know and you can pass the word along. I'll at you. Boys, let's go. I'm down with that. Well, thank you guys again. It's been fun. It's always fun to come on here and get abused and, and dish out some abuse. Um, whenever you're bored and can't get anybody to, to, to do a show, you know where to find me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on, Jeff. My yeah, pleasure, guys. Man, Have a great time. So and treat Gangrel with, with some some good respect. I'm sure you guys will. Otherwise, I'll be you hearing will. about it in about 45 minutes. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one. Take care, and thanks again. Had a yep. blast as always. Happy Hanukkah. Wow. Bro, Morty Lipschick, a.k.a. Jeff Manning, with 40 minutes of that fire content, son. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing interview. Jeremy, I know that was your first uh, opportunity to talk to Jeff Manning. What did you think? Well, I mean, the fact that he was Jewish just shot him up to the top of my book. I'll tell you that much. Um, but, what, but, but what do I expect with the guy's last name on, in wrestling is Lipschitz? Shit, how did I not see that one coming? Um, honestly, amazing guest. Amazing guy. It was great talking with him. He's uncensored and unfiltered, and I love it. You wouldn't want it any other way here on the Russell Talk Podcast. Yeah, I'm just still I'm catching just my breath here. from the shooting shout segment. Holy mackerel. Whew. Dude, you're, on freak, you're freaking fire, bro. The, the comment section was going crazy, and I think you might even got some props from uh, Drake Lee. I'm just sitting over here sipping a cold beer, feeling like I'm watching a uh, uh, an unreleased episode of Seinfeld. It's freaking fantastic. <laughs> I freaking love it. All right, well, listen, we're going to go. we're going to go take a quick break. We'll be back in about two and a half minutes. Uh, with a little bit more high spots. Anybody who wants to call in, we're still giving away that Zack Ryder autograph picture courtesy of the Cody Coopy Show. Just be the best call of the night, and you win yourself a awesome autograph picture of Zack Ryder. So with that said, we'll be back in 2 minutes and 30 seconds right here on Episode 2.
I'm oh, sorry, 324 of the Wrestle Talk podcast with your boys, the Night Owl and the Maestro. Wrestling fans, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat talking at you, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. I'm the Maestro Jeremy Carp, and we have the Night Owl Renee alongside me. How you holding up over there, Renee? I'm good, man. I'm telling you, bro, tonight's show just felt like it was going to be a great one. And yeah, we had an awesome guest, but bro, some of the conversation we had even before Jeff Manning came on was absolutely 
phenomenal. Now, we want to go ahead and continue with the high spot segment, but we also want to open it up to any caller who wants to call in. I don't even care what you want to call about. You want to talk about WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Triple um, A, okay, which just had Triple Mania this past weekend, okay? Anything you guys want to talk about. As a matter of fact, if even my friends from the Fantasy Wrestling Worldwide chapter want to call in, we will take your call and remember, we're giving away the Zack Ryder autograph picture to the best caller of the night. And if you happen to get on the air, then you'll be put at the top of the list to talk to Gangrel when he joins us here in about 10 minutes. Now, before we bring on any callers, allow me to bring up a topic that I think will be interesting to everybody that's listening to the show today. And it's something that I noticed when I was watching Triple Mania this past weekend, which was free on YouTube for a little while. They took it down, but now you can find it on there again. And and here's what I wanted to ask you about. It's kind of a broad question, Jeremy, but I think you're the right guy to ask this question to. And here it is. How impactful do you believe that the comic book genre has been in the world of professional wrestling? And let let me preface that question by saying, okay, that we've seen many examples of the comic book genre playing or paying dividends in the professional wrestling world. Just like roller skating has a big transition into pro wrestling, I believe, okay, that there are other things that have a huge transition into pro wrestling. And right now I'm talking about comic books. Now, from the New Day showing up dressed up in Dragon Ball Z gear at Mania to Kenny Omega, naming his finisher and basing his character off of a video game character in Final Fantasy. This past weekend, Jeremy, I was watching Triple Mania. It was the opening match, and you had four superstars that were all representing a particular superhero from the comic book world. We had Venom, represented by Venenite. We had Captain America being represented by La Leyenda Americana. We had Spider-Man being represented by Arago. And we had Thanos being represented by Terror Purpura. So clearly, the professional wrestling world takes a lot of its um, inspiration from the comic book world. I think it's been a great thing. Just like pro wrestling and hip-hop, I'm a big fan of meshing those two things together. Bro, how big do you think the impact of the comic book world has been in the world of pro wrestling? And do you think it's been a good thing or a bad thing, Jeremy? Well, I think, honestly, if you really go back 20, 25 years, professional wrestling and comic books have had that interesting bond. I mean, because... Since the rock and wrestling boom of the 80s, professional wrestlers have been considered super superheroes brought to life. And, you know, by their over-the-top antics, the costumes they have, the mannerisms they have in the ring, their attire. And then you get into the 21st century. Um, comic books become more mainstream in the media. And uh, like you said, a lot of people at AAA Mania were dressed in homage to a lot of comic books. And you can also consider people like Alexa Bliss who cosplay a lot based off famous comic book characters, most notably Harley Quinn. So I think there's a big influence from between the world professional wrestling 
and the world of comic books, both of which are extremely popular in the similar demographics both of them have. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I actually honestly think it's both. I think it's good because it gives them both attention, but at the same time, there's a constant battle, sometimes, believe it or not, between intellectual property. I mean, this show knows more than a lot of others about intellectual property when it comes to certain things. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, and believe me, uh, YouTube has come at me a few times too with intellectual property issues. So I know what that's like as well. And you, you hear, you'll hear about it sometimes in the world of wrestling where certain um, companies don't like this usage of their characters and vice versa. But overall, I think it's a very beneficial thing, and you really can tell the influence of comics in the wrestling world. What are your thoughts? No doubt about it. And I'm curious, do you think it's a good thing? Because you went through a lot of the history, Jeremy, and I appreciate that. What, what about from a personal perspective? Okay. Oh, from a personal perspective, I love it because, honestly, when I look at people like Rey Mysterio – I mean, I kind of imagine, you know, maybe not uh, mask attire-wise color scheme, but you kind of think of Spider-Man almost because he's so fast and nimble. He's going around the ropes. He's flying everywhere. A lot of the Lucha Libres kind of reminds you of a lot of, you know, the Spider-Mans, the Venoms, you know. And meanwhile, I mean, you've got those big intimidating figures that could be like the Dark Knight themselves. So overall, to me, I think it's good personally because I'm a big fan of comic books or at the least the comic book heroes. And you see a lot of them, especially the wrestlers these days, they have more, a lot, I feel like there's a lot more freedom for them to draw inspiration on their own characters. Like they, where they get their characters from. It's no longer just, you need to be this. It's more, okay, we're going to be a little more open on, on how you portray your character. And a lot of them will draw their inspiration from comic books. In fact, uh, wrestlers like Kane and The Undertaker even had their own comic book series back during the height of the Attitude Era. What do you think on that one, Renee? I don't think he took that opinion too well, folks. Yeah. Well, hey, like I was saying to you, Jeremy, it's incredible to see that perspective, right, that that new creative perspective coming into play into the world of professional wrestling that, hey, you just educated us. It's not anything new for people pulling from the comic book world. When, when we talked to Gangrel here just a matter of moments, you know, I know he pulled from the horror world and the creation of his character and doing my research. And then, of course, the music stuff, right? Like we're seeing Sasha Banks using Snoop Dogg in her uh, music where there's a little controversy there. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit next week. But uh, anywho, I do have a pleasant surprise, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as you would expect after we talked to Jeff Manning, our dear, dear friend, Dan Grell is an ultimate professional, and he actually called in a little bit before his scheduled time. So we're going to go ahead and not waste any time and bring him on. Allow me to give the man a proper introduction. You're talking about one of the most recognizable names in professional wrestling today from making an impact uh, during the Attitude Era where you guys will remember him to making his original professional wrestling debut in 1988. My man, 
Uh, he's a former Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year, and now he's running one of the most prestigious and well-respected wrestling training centers in the world in Gangrel's Training Academy. It is an honor and a pleasure to welcome him to the very first time to the Wrestle Talk podcast, the one and only, ladies and gentlemen, David Heath, a.k.a. Gangrel. Hoss, hit the music. I'm good, but let, let, let's get out there. Let's put it over. Did I call in early, or did Lipschitz run over his time talking? I heard him on there that's cursing a, and everything. Hey, <laughs> like, hey, 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 a book, but we just rolled with minutes. that. <laughs> hey, listen, Maestro, he I heard you at your Hanukkah months. talk, too. Did you even light your candle at sundown and say your prayers in Hebrew and in English? <laughs> we are. We did Hebrew and English every night. Yes, we did. <laughs> I missed hey, it tonight because I, I was at uh, class. Uh, My woman's going to be upset with me. <laughs> hey, I, told, I told the guys that I felt like I was in un, on an unreleased episode of Seinfeld with these two Jewish guys on the on the horn with me, man. <laughs> we had a good time, yeah. man. It was incredible. Be the year of Maestro. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you don't mind, Jeremy, I'll go ahead and take the lead on this one. Uh, David, thank no you for being no here, man. Uh, obviously, yeah. brother. You know, growing up in in the uh, in the eighties and early nineties is a big fan. I'm. 36 now, so I'm not a necessarily a spring chicken, but I'm not an OG either. Uh, man, I remember you uh, scaring the daylights out of me when I was a kid, but in a good way. And, uh, man, we've <laughs> kind of come full circle now uh, with everything that's happening in 2020 compared to, you know, what was going back to the year 2000 uh, when you were spending your time over in the, in the WWE. So let me start off with this. Uh, I know you played a big part in the story back then, including The Undertaker. Uh, and we're definitely going to talk about the school extensively, but I'm curious, man, how surreal is it for you to have watched? And we talked to Jeff about this as well. They brought back Percy Pringle, The Undertaker. You were part of the ministry, obviously, at one point. Fully retired, man. Did you ever think it was going to happen, and did you think they did a good job in putting a button on uh, a legendary career? I'm curious to know. Well, just to let you know, I still scare myself every day in the mirror when I get in the bath. So <laughs> I was scary to make a butt. Um, I didn't. I didn't get to see the. Uh, I didn't get to see the. What was the SummerSlam? The thirty years and then wrapping up. And I didn't get to see the. What was the last ride? Or I didn't get to see yeah. any of that because I've been so busy. But uh, I'm thinking thirty years. Uh, uh, going out. That was that was probably the good way to do it. Leading up with it. It, it sounded classy. It, it, it sounded cool. And and let's let's face it. Anything the Undertaker do, does or is a part of or even. Even even if some people call it a bad match, it's still a great match in in, in the world of professional wrestling. So uh, I'm sure it was all class, and, and it, I'm sure it was done the right way. He deserves it, and I'm sure they treated him the way he needed to. No, dude, they they absolutely killed it, and I'm sure when you get a chance to see it, I don't want to spoil it for you, but they had a, a deal. You know how they bring back like the uh, like they did it with Tupac, and they'll bring back like these holograms, right? So they kind of did a hologram right. of, of of Paul Bearer, dude. It made my skin. Like uh, like goosebumps and everything, yeah. dude. It was incredible. I'm sure you're gonna enjoy it when you get a chance to see it yourself. Yeah, I think I saw a clip of it. and I go, wow, they got holograms. Pretty cool. <laughs> like, like, 
<laughs> it's nice when you don't have an unlimited budget, man. So uh, uh, definitely something uh, uh, worthwhile. Hopefully everybody gets a chance to check it out. Uh, I'll go from there, and I'll kind of take a, you know, I'll jump into DeLorean and go back in time. So, brother, your history in professional wrestling uh, stretches far beyond your period in the Attitude Era. I, I know you had the pleasure uh, of being trained by Boris Malenko. You spent some, some time with the, with the Hart family as well. Can you talk to us about some of the fond memories of growing up in the business, traveling the road, and, and learning the ropes, which is something you, you do quite a bit now uh, in your training over at uh, Gangrel's uh, Wrestling Asylum. Can you talk to us a little bit about the yeah. early years in training and, and coming up in the business? Yeah, so I started uh, I started under Boris Malenko. I was, I was 17 years old, so it was 1987. And uh, I trained with Boris Malenko and Rusty Brooks. And they, they were just placed together. And then that place folded, and then so – Boris went back to Tampa, so I'd end up training with Rusty here four days, Monday through Thursday. And then as soon as Friday would hit, I, I, I'd get off the job site and uh, jump in the car and drive to Tampa. And, and uh, I would pick up a show there on a Friday night, and then I would train with Boris on Saturday morning, find a show Saturday night there. And then I would train with uh, uh, Carl Gotch's uh, son-in-law, referee with all the Japan guys for the original UWF on Sunday. So that was my that was my seven-day-a-week training, uh, and, and I did it religiously. And then I got my first opportunity, uh, it was in Calgary, Stampede Wrestling, so I went there as a tag team, the Black Stars, and uh, we trained there in the dungeon, so I trained with Bruce Hart and a lot of the Calgary guys, Ben Basarab and stuff like that, so picked up that, I was a big fan of that Calgary, that fast style, and then uh, brought that back to Florida, and then uh, decided to train a little bit more, so I went on, I went from there to uh, All Japan Wrestling, and then I went down to Puerto Rico, became the Vampire Warrior, and then... Uh, 93, I was in Memphis, USWA. And then 94, I wanted to train some more, so then I went with Alpha, the Wild Samoans. Went up to Allentown, and I moved in with Alpha. And I lived in his basement, and I, I trained there for a while. And then I ended up running his school uh, in the end of 94, and then I came back down 95, hey, 96, 97. Hey, every- David, quick question. Quick, quick question about the Wild Samoans. So Haku and those boys get a reputation for just being some badasses, people like you don't want to F with. Is that reputation hold true from your experience? Ah, yeah, there's some of the toughest, toughest guys I know. You don't really want to mess with any of them. Even if you see a small Samoan, you might want to just leave them alone. <laughs> like, or Tongan, like uh, <laughs> Barbarian and them. They're all like uh, Haku, those Islanders. Any of those South Pacific Islanders are all, all, all just beasts. Beasts of the men. And the women, too. The women are tougher than the men. <laughs> so, uh, I was just with the MK twins that uh, Rikishi and them trained out of Knox Pro, which is a, another school that, that I, I started with him where I trained Rusev and stuff like that and Jacob Fatu oh. along with Rikishi. Together, we trained them out there before I came back to South Florida and opened up mine, my own, because I'm from South Florida originally, so I just came full circle. So, yeah, I went to office, and I ran his school, and I ended up coming back, 95, 96, 97, running D. Malenko school, and then 98, uh, I went into WWE, uh, Gangrel, and then um, then I did that run. I moved out to California, opened the wrestling school with Rikishi, Knox Pro, where we trained the likes of, uh, like, Rusev, uh, Miro, whatever he's called now, and that's the character, and... Uh, uh, Jacob Fatu and some other guys, and then, then uh, I, I just got homesick, wanted to come back home in South Florida. Uh, wrestling was um, a lot of guys were telling me they did some some NorCal guys said they did some trips down here, and wrestling was really bad. And I didn't believe it. I right. came home to visit, and I saw the shows, and, and everything was real, really poorly done down here. So um, I thought instead of just talking crap about it and uh, this and that, I would do something about it. So uh, I opened up the school here and decided to stay back in South Florida and finish things out. So I have uh, GWA Florida here, Gangos Wrestling Asylum. And uh, so I got a lot of, I got about, I got 70 students rotating in and out. Right now I got, I, it's a light night tonight. I only got like um, 
about 21 in there tonight, or something like that tonight. Usually on a Wednesday, I'll have 28 to 30, you know, and, and a Monday, same, rotating, uh, stuff like that. So very blessed, uh, uh, very blessed I can get back to wrestling. Uh, it's something I love. Wrestling saved my life. Wrestling doesn't owe me anything. I owe everything to wrestling and uh, and, and the wrestling fans. So, so I'm very blessed, man. I get to still do what I love. 33 years later, September was 33 years for me, so I'm going in. Going into uh, uh, next September will be 34. <laughs> Amazing, bro. Hell yeah. Hey, well, hey, you, you, hey, you got the help, man. Uh, guys, been good to you. You got help, and you're able to pass on that knowledge. Look, I will say this, and, and if I didn't plug my hometown, I'd be uh, disrespectful to the 561. So I, we're kind of from the same area. I grew up in Boca Raton. My sister currently lives <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I, 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 I can tell you a quick story. So I, I thought the Deerfield Pier. And uh, yeah. gave myself a six-inch a six inch gash on my right calf, uh, which I still <laughs> bear today. So, man, I love South Florida. I live in Kansas City now. Uh, but, dude, opening up a school in South Florida, man, what a dream come true, right? Uh, like, being able to do I, what you I, went to Deer, I went to Deerfield Beach High, man. I was Deerfield Beach High Bucks. <laughs> I was a Boca High kid. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Like neighbors. That's freaking Yeah, incredible. yeah, you guys had the money on that side. If we went, Deerfield crossed over to Boca, we got shook down by the police. <laughs> Bro, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Bro, hey, listen, I, hey, listen, I, I was on the west side of the tracks, not the east side of the tracks. Let's be clear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was all woods back then, probably. Everything out there was yeah, all woods was, back, back then. Yeah, back, back yeah. in the 90s or what have you. So but, I, I want to make sure I leave enough time. Uh, and David, you know, we could be selfish, I, you know, and, and take all the time ourselves, man. But there's so many people that listen to the show that just got so fired up at the opportunity of, of just even being able to say hello to you. With your permission, we've got some callers. They've been vetted. They've been screened, so no worries there. Would you be okay uh, with taking a couple of calls for some li- lifelong fans? Yeah, man. Tremendous, man. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, let's 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 do that. And then we'll come back with Jeremy Carp with, uh, with some questions towards the end. Uh, so, Haas, our audio engineer, man, why don't you go ahead and bring on Cody, who's been waiting since the beginning of the show, since 7 p.m. Central wow. Time. He's been on hold just for an opportunity uh, to talk to the legendary Gangrel. Why don't we go ahead and bring him on with his thoughts or questions? Go ahead. Well, hey, thank you, Renee and Jeremy, for having me back on, uh, Gangrel. Uh, very nice to meet you, sir, and thank you for taking the question. Um, well, thank you. So, since you... Since you decided to help or uh, attempt to help Sammy Guevara in the elite deletion match at full gear, <laughs> would you ever consider teaming up with Jericho or anyone in the inner circle or feuding with Matt Hardy in AEW? All right. Um, I would love to feud Matt Hardy. Uh, the, the, all the inner circle things cool, but I, I don't know that I'd say it. I don't think they need another 52 year old dude or 51 year old dude to be about 52 in there. <laughs> but um, I, I, I mean, personally, uh, you know, I talked to Tony Khan a little bit and stuff like that, but I, I'm, I, I don't know if I, I have, uh, you know, I still wrestle every weekend. Don't get me wrong. I, I just was in, I just did back-to-back shows. I was in uh, here. I ran my own toy drive here, and then I was in. I love wrestling, and I still think I can wrestle every day of the week. But um, I don't know if I have what it takes to, to run a, a program with like these younger guys. I'll be honest. I mean, I think I could work Matt because same page, uh, uh, styles or footworks, a lot of things are the same. It's a, it's a bit of a different uh, style now. I'm not saying I, I don't can't do it. I'm just saying I don't. I wouldn't want to take away break it to poor quality. But I would love to. Uh, would love to work on the back end of stuff with like like some of my students are going up there now, and I would like to be like a South Florida branch where, where maybe they pull talent from from our, our facility and stuff like that. But um, I definitely, if I had to, and I had an option, and there was a choice on the table, I would feud Matt Hardy. 
<laughs> hey, Very great good. question. Great, great question, Cody. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. Any final thoughts? I just wanted to say thank you uh, to Grangel um, for taking the time thank to uh, answer my question. And I, well, I hope I answered it right, Grangel. <laughs> what was that? I said I hope I answered it for you, man. Sometimes I ramble on and I get I, I dance in circles, so I hope I, I hope I answered it. It's a podcast, bro. <laughs> we want you to ramble. That's good. Rambling is good on a podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Cody. We're gonna move on to the next caller, yeah, brother. Thank you, Cody. All right, no doubt about it. All right, well, up next, ladies and gentlemen, we have another caller. Um, actually, this caller calling from Kansas City now. I'm excited to hear from this young man. He's a, a dear, dear friend of the show, longtime supporter. Let's go ahead and bring him on. He's actually a trainee here in Kansas City, uh, uh, Gangrel. He's training at the Extreme Rustic Center in Raytown, Missouri. Uh, so this is a guy that, similar to the guys that you work with every single day, who's in the, in the business trying to make a name for himself. So let's go ahead and bring on our buddy, the one and only Vinny, a.k.a. Vinsanity, a.k.a. El Diablo. Welcome to the Rustic Talk Podcast, bro. What question do you have tonight for Gangrel? Well, thank you for bringing me on. And second off, thank you, Gangrel, for even giving me some type of day to talk to you. But uh, thank um, you. I'm craving barbecue now, Kansas City. So, <laughs> oh, man. Stop, son. <laughs> hey, you better send that man some sauce. <laughs> hey, next next time he comes here, we got him. But uh, All right. out of the millions of questions I could ask you, and Renee, I have no idea who El Diablo is, but <laughs> I know a guy who knows a guy who knows of a guy who is um, looked at as a bad guy just from his features, but uh, at the company he's at, they want him to be a good guy. Is there any right. type of advice you could give to help with him being a good guy besides just uh, following the rules and involving the crowd? Like, is there any type of, you know what I mean? Well, that's a, that's a really, it, it sounds like an easy question, but, but, but it's not to me because I look mm-hmm. at wrestling a lot different than a lot of other people. Now, I do believe in a traditional face or heel, a good guy or, or, or a bad guy, but mm-hmm. I, I, I teach that, uh, very early in my training, as a simple plan, uh, cowboys and Indians, good guy, bad guy. But as as training evolves, and, and as your work evolves, you become a, you become characters, right? You become a persona mm-hmm. now. Now that persona, that persona may do a lot of things that he will do, but he, he could be a, a good guy or bad guy. I wouldn't suggest changing who you are. I would just amplify it, and uh, you know, if they technically want a bad guy, maybe you just. You stay the same, but maybe just bend a little rules here and there. You know, maybe you push a count or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you use ropes or leverage here and there or something like that. But I wouldn't necessarily go changing who you are. Like, because every great character yeah. and person that's successful is really just an extension of themselves. Because if they're not comfortable with with uh, what they're doing, with the gear they're wearing, or what people are trying to get them to portray, it's not going to come across right. you got to be really comfortable with yourself, what you're doing, and then that's what's going to work best. So, I wouldn't change things up a lot, who who he is or his character. I don't know what it is, per se, mm-hmm. but I would just say, uh, you know, they're looking for that Cowboys Indian type of thing, and they want him to be, not that the Indians are bad guys, but let's just keep using it as a reference, and you watch your old movies, uh, or Native yeah. Americans, or politically correct, I guess. Uh, 
you know, he beats the heel. Um, maybe just, you know, he pushes the count a little bit, like so he usually would break on a one. Maybe he pushes it to three, four. Uh, you know, maybe okay. a, a look or a glare here and there. You don't necessarily have to uh, go over the top. It, it just comes within it, 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 it's the presence you're, you're selling to the people. It's not necessarily uh, really a physical thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I understand that, and I, I thank you, and I appreciate it because because uh, my friend that I know is kind of he's he's just kind of been stuck in this spot because like mm-hmm. everyone's everyone's a fan, like people they like him and stuff. It's just him personally. He's trying to figure out ways to to stay face because he was born in the yeah. realm of being a bad guy, but you know the higher well, up remember this. to be a good guy. Remember stuff. this. Remember this. A bad guy heel. He can lose every night of the week, and, and people won't lose because they know if it takes one slide of the referee, one glance the other direction, he can steal a match. Now, the good guy, mm-hmm. the babyface, he has to be on point 100% all the time, and the people have to be invested in buying to him. So he can't afford many uh, losses. He's got to stay in the win. He's always got to connect. So a lot easier as a heel once you start navigating things, and you just relax and you don't worry too much about it, you know. Yeah. All right, thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much. That I I will take these notes. Yes, sir. No problem. Thank you for calling, man. Great, great. Yeah, thanks, question. For, thanks, uh, thanks, thanks, Nardell. Appreciate it, brother. It's always an honor and a pleasure. Now, Gangrel, I know your time is limited, uh, and only with your permission. We do have a lady on the line that wanted to come on and ask you a question. Is that okay with you? I don't want to impede on anything else you might have going on. <laughs> no, no, it's all good, man. Thank you so much, brother. I'll do respect. I know you're a businessman. You're trying to run a school, so we don't want to interfere with that. So up next, ladies and gentlemen, a longtime fan of Gangrel who's followed his careers from the very beginning, hailing out of the great state of Virginia. Welcome to the show, the one and only Hardcore Sis, a.k.a. Susie Licky. Susie, you're live with the legendary Attitude Era star, Gangrel. What do you have on your mind tonight for him? Well, first of all, I want to say, you know, happy holidays uh, to everybody, including you, Gangra. Um, Thank you. And I also, I also wanted to tell you, uh, last year I met you in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. You were wrestling for a promotion called WDWA, and you wrestled a guy by the name of Shane Malice. Um, Shane Malice. That was a I'm trying really... to remember that. I know. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a great guy, and it was an awesome match. And I just wanted to tell you that it was such a pleasure meeting you that night. And when I met you that night, I actually did ask you if there was a way that this show could get a hold of you to bring you on. So I'm really glad that they finally did get you on. It's awesome. Oh, you know what? I actually remember that now. <laughs> I kept going, why is Russell Talk so familiar? Now that now I know. Besides Morty coming yeah. at me. Yes. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Well, good to, good to hear from you again. And I hope everything's going well for you. Oh, everything's going great. Um, now, my question is just kind of a two-parter, and my first, the first part of it is, what would you say is your all-time favorite match that you did or, you know, favorite work that you had, and why is it your favorite, and what's your least favorite one, and why is that? Uh, I don't know if I've had a least favorite that I could point out. I mean, there's, there's been some runs of some some matches that, that, that you, just, you know, you just feel like you're in a rut. But I don't know if I could point out the least, the least favorite. But I, I, the favorite, I could tell you, it, it's not what people think. It was when I was wrestling at the Blackhearts, and it was all Japan. And it was in Budokan Hall. And I, we faced the tag team for the All-Asia Straps called uh, the Cam-Am, uh, Doug Furness and Phil LaFleur, uh, Danny Crockett. So we worked in. We had no business. We, we were just, we've been to Calgary. Uh, 
flashy moves, really cool uh, characters, but no, no, um, we're working with guys that have been, in, you know, Kawada, Masawa, uh, Hanson and Spidey, uh, Williams and Boyd, guys that were legends already and done 20 and 30 years uh, on, you know, Japan. And here, here I was like 19 years old in Japan and Green uh, is Deuce. So uh, in, that reason this match was a favorite, it was in Budokan Hall and it was live. And I always wanted to say live from the Budokan, but, but um, <laughs> we wrestled them and it, they carried us for like a 20 minute match. And when I saw the match, it's on YouTube somewhere. I saw it. And it wasn't as great as I remembered, but uh, in this particular match, like, I was starting to doubt myself. Having a hard tour, uh, just uh, just not knowing anything, not uh, not understanding what what was going on, just trying to survive. And uh, it carried us through this match. And and, and the feeling that I got, I've been chasing it. Uh, it's like I guess how people describe a first hit of a drug or, or, or something. I've been chasing that that high ever since, and that feeling, and that's what still drives me today a lot. Besides. School drives me to get back and wrestling, but what drives me to continue performing those matches, the feeling I had that night, it was just something magic happened, something clicked, and uh, I knew from uh, that day on I, that this is what I wanted to do for a living. Uh, you know, I thought this is what I always wanted to do for a living, but when that night happened, and I felt it in my bones, that that's what I wanted to do for a living. So that's, that's why that match is my favorite. Awesome. Awesome. And then just one final question. Can you tell us yes, what's sir. really in the cup? Uh, oh, it's it's just been nice stage, but Zesty man, I always go with the high quality stuff. It costs a little bit more money, but you have minty breath. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, what a great I'll send you extra to, to have minty breath. That. I can't be a bad breath vampire. How much quality? You gotta have it. <laughs> there, there you go. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you again, and you know, once again, thank you yes, so ma'am. much for for everything you've done because I, you know, I have been a fan from. A long time, and I've always loved watching you wrestle. So thank you for everything you've done, and um, you know, again, happy holidays, and hopefully 2021, maybe we'll see you again in Berkeley Springs. Yes, ma'am. Hope so. I hope everything lifts up and we get back to being busy. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, sir. I'm sure Dave will have a hard time with all the snow down in Florida during this winter. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be rough on him. <laughs> well, I was busy, you know. I was busy till the state they things shut back down again. I, I was like, I, believe it or not, I was swamped. But then just this past, like going in the end of November into December, they shut Indiana back down, Wisconsin, Las Vegas, and yeah. I was like, ah. Oh, you're killing Man. me in the holidays, cutting them all. But I kind of expected it to happen. <laughs> I want to make sure Jeremy gets in here because he's my co-host and he's been waiting very patiently to get with you. But I'm curious, David, have you ever been to the CAC, the Cauliflower Alley Club? You just seem like the kind of guy that would go there. Hopefully we'll run into yeah. you there because we're planning 2021. We're planning on making the trip. Yeah, are they going to have it? Yeah, I know they like. No, so they've tried to get me to come out there. I've done a couple. Uh, there's too many cameras in Vegas. There's a couple people I want to punch in the throat out there, so I, I'm not so sure I can control myself. <laughs> So yes. anywhere you turn, there's a camera. So really, that's the only thing that's kept me from going for the last five years. Because I'm not gonna put any names out there. I definitely want to punch somebody in the throat, and I'm pretty sure a camera's gonna catch me. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll t- hey, and hey, I'll make you, I'll make you a deal. You got a six foot one, three hundred pound Mexican that's got your back if I run into you in Vegas. So uh, maybe you won't necessarily have to get your hands dirty. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Gracias, uh, mijo. Gracias. Hey, 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 no problema, cabrón. My fellow. Hey, uh, so, Jer- Jer- Jeremy, dude, there's no way uh, that we're going to let, let let this interview end before we get into the game show challenge without you jumping okay. in here because I know uh, 
you have been waiting for this moment for a long time. You joined Team Russell Talk less than six months ago, and this is what you did it for, for the opportunity to talk the very best in the professional wrestling uh, business. And, and here's your moment, man. So the floor is yours. Uh, David is, is gracious enough to give us a little bit more of his time. So jump on in here, man. What do you got for us tonight? Uh, David, it's an absolute so pleasure for you to be on. I'm loving it. I'm telling you, you know, you're a busy man, so we got to get right to it. We got to get to the big yeah. mainstream one. So here we go. Yeah, we'll come back. We'll Major do this again another time. It's just that the timing was like, like it's right when I got to wrap the school up. My God. Oh, I know. I'm telling you. So we'll, yeah. I'll come well, back on another time. Let's, earlier, go. Let's right? get the game show. Let's get it. Let's get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's get it. Go ahead, Jeremy. Right. Let's get into the game show. Let's go. Let's do this. All right. So you made your debut in the WWF on August 16th, 1998 on Sunday Night Heat, and you defeated Scott Taylor. Not too long afterwards, you began the brood with Edge and Christian. Take me through just the beginning of how that whole gothic faction was for the th- in the chemistry that developed between the three of you. Well, it I was uh, since nineteen like ninety one in Puerto Rico when I was wrestling as a Vampire Warrior. I had been pushing to WWF at the time, the, uh, the Lost Boys, telling them uh, the fa- this faction of vampires was super cool. It doesn't matter. If they uh, they lose every night, as long as they're vampires and they look cool, and they're like, ah, we don't get it, they don't get it. Then they it was this gentleman called Edge that came along, Adam, and they didn't know what to do with him. So uh, they hired me while I was on a tour for All Japan in '98, and um, it, it, then they decided to um, that they were going to use the Vince Russo came to me and said, can you can you do the vampire thing? And I said, sure, because they told me to get rid of it. This man told me to get rid of the fangs, throw my hair in, whatever, and uh, and they hired me. But they told me I wasn't going to do the vampire thing, but Vince Russo wanted it. But I was there to shuttle Adam and Edge because they didn't know what to do with them. They wanted them to do some poet stuff or this and this and that. So basically, I was a shuttle. But the brood wasn't supposed to get over. It wasn't supposed to be this cool thing that it turned out being. It was just really a shuttle for him because they knew that they wanted to strap a rocket to him and he was going to the top. They knew back then that he was their future. So it was just a perfect storm of perfect things. The music, uh, the fire entrance, the, you know, coming up to the to the stage and and going to the ring, and then then them being really uh, athletic and good looking guys, you know, two Canadians, young guys. So they, they they finally saw the whole thing I was talking about with the brood, like the Lost Boys, and it just clicked. It was a perfect storm. So. And you know, it's like you said, like it's interesting because you guys had such, especially for the Attitude Era, you had such an iconic entrance, so much so that honestly, I was telling. Uh, Renee and Jeff earlier in the show, I was popping in No Mercy, and they have, you know, your guys' entrance on No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000. I mean, it was just one of the notable things you would see when you tune into Raw's War. And it wasn't too long after that that you guys actually became absorbed into the Ministry of Darkness. Now, did you guys see that coming where that whole thing with the big old group with The Undertaker and Viscera and Midian? Yeah. Uh... Well, no, the, yeah, well, because we were getting too popular, and I had to figure out how to, to slow us. Hey, hey, see you guys. Hey, I gotta go lock it up. Take that. Hey, uh, uh, hey, hey, guys, don't. Hey, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I got this class rapping here. They're coming out on me. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, final thoughts before you go, David. David, final thoughts before you go. Thank you so much for your time. We know that you take being a teacher as your number one priority, so we'll let you get to that. We'll go ahead and talk to Jeff and work out another time so we can go a little longer, man. Bless us, you. Be safe out there. Be well, buddy. Definitely. And hopefully we'll see you in South Florida real soon. Okay, man. Thank you, guys. Bless you, brother. Good night.
Wow. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, think about this. Gangrel, in the middle of a training session, gave us 30 minutes of his time, and it really does not get any better than that. The next time that he joins us, we're going to get to your questions as well as more of Jeremy and my questions because we basically just scratched the surface on that interview. Wouldn't you agree, Jeremy? Yeah. I mean, when you have to leave in the middle of an interview, you know, if, if anything, you know, you take that as a positive because that means there is so much more to talk about. You don't want to just leave them with everything. you got to have a cliffhanger sometimes. <laughs> hey, there's no doubt about it. And I'll tell you what, man, that's how the hits keep rolling here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. It doesn't matter if we're talking about an independent guy from the St. Louis area or we're talking about a, a, a professional wrestling legend and potential Hall of Famer like Gangrel. We're always going to bring the heat because we have a passion for professional wrestling. Now, there's one thing that bothers me about tonight, though, okay? And that's the fact that I was ready to put the hands on Gangrel in tonight's Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. And now, Jeremy, I don't have an opponent. And to be honest with you, I'm very upset about that because I was ready to make All right, take a deep breath, Nida. Take a deep breath. Come on. Inhale. Pass him. You got this. The shooting shot's over with. It's been over for an hour. We got this. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I guess the show ends with no shooting. With with no wrestle talk podcast game show challenge. What? I know whose music that is. Oh, dear Do I goodness. need to say more? First of all, first of all, I sat here, okay, sitting here drinking a nice bottle of wine. I'm watching this, and you know what I, you know what I think? Ask me what I think. Wine, What's that? Wine's what? for bitches. That's what I think. Yeah, okay. Well, here's what I think. I think it doesn't matter what you think. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh, just don't forget this, Drakely. You're coming into my yard. So you can come in with the dope song and the swagger and the, the $3,000 suit, but this is still my house. So you pay respects to the night out. Don't you forget it. Okay, let me tell you something here, Renee. Night Owl, whatever you prefer. What would you like me to call you, sir? Night Owl, is that okay? Uh, you're Put daddy. a sir at the end of it, I guess. <laughs> we're moving on. I just wanted to point out one thing. You guys were like two seconds away in the beginning of the show from uh, kissing each other. So much friendliness. It was, I almost puked. You don't give uh, me that well, favoritism. You don't give me that I mean, favoritism. You're, you're, you're rude. Paid you the big, hey, they paid you more money than they paid me, so if that ain't favoritism, I don't know That's what the hell is. Anyway, by the way, for the record, Jeremy, you guys are paid exactly the same, and that is going to be like a nut punch to Drake Lee's ego. I don't care what he's telling you. We all make the same. You, Joe, wrong. myself, they, no, we wrong. all make the same. So I'm sorry, Drake. It, it is what it is. Well, I think my house, my cars, my wardrobe, 
uh, you know, my women would beg to differ. But anyway, we're gonna move on. I just I'm pointing out something. I think people need they need to know. I mean, I heard I heard earlier, you know, Renee, that they said if I were to do the game show challenge tonight and you were to win, there'd be a riot. What? of you see you're already extending the gesture and i thought that wasn't going to end the you know the conversation was going to end that way but, but let's talk about something okay i have a team of lawyers and a team of private investigators now because i didn't yeah, think so what donald, you were doing hey oh, so does donald trump and how's that working out for him Do, he ain't got nothing saying. on drake lee okay, okay he ain't got nothing on drake lee i like drake lee a lot more than i like donald trump i'll tell you that much yeah, well, you know, that's, that's because I that's because I am who I am. Okay? My money's real. But let's move on. Okay? <laughs> we Yeah, that's right. We, let's talk about something. Okay? First of all, I do make the same amount as uh, as Jeremy technically on paper, but you did give me a lot more incentive uh and and I guess you call them freebies. And I'm getting a lot of, you know, I'm reading these comments Renee. No. That's just so you actually show up, okay? But wait a minute, I got the incentives. You got the guaranteed bonus, I thought. I got the Uh, incentives. All you got to do is show up. I mean, you know, he shows up and he gets paid. It's it's a good deal. But but can we get to the game show challenge now? We will in a second, okay? I just wanted to point out, I wanted to point out, Renee, that it was too nice. It was fake nice. You weren't that nice in real life to Jeremy. Don't you lie to him. You said some awful things. What? Yes, I was. You're a liar. Okay, well anyway, and then and then I'm getting all people are so look at this. They're hate, they're saying nasty things about me in, in the comments and you started this too. But but I have a team, they're looking into it. It's not fair. First of all, not fair at all. And I was losing because I know you sent the answers to Jeremy, but we're going to move on because quite frankly, I don't have the I'm, answers, you balloon. I don't come I up with the questions. We'll find out. Anyway, I I'm let's just do it. Let's just see how it goes, and I've heard in the comments, like I said, of I've had messages sent to me from insiders that I, I let them know I might be on the show, that if you do win, there, there could be a problem. You know? Do I People look are mad. Do scared of your problems? That sounds like your problem, not my problem. I'm not hey, we're supposed to be a family. You're the one that was aggressive to me. I was. You're the one that was raising your voice. You're I not was even just, supposed to be on the show tonight. Hello? Hey, what are you even doing here? You're not scheduled to be on the show. What are you talking about? I was doing you a favor and helping you out, getting grow pat. You know, I don't he had need a lot a of stuff. You know what? Do me a favor and shut your mouth. Hardcore Hoss, hit the music. I'm about to whoop the music, Hoss. We got to get this going. <laughs>
Holy mackerel, I thought that was never going to end. But thankfully it did, and the game show challenge is beginning. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's installment of the world-famous WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for the best two out of three falls. Our contestants are the Night Owl, Renee Martinez, and the surprise challenger, the best-dressed announcer in professional wrestling history, and the self-proclaimed cornerstone of the WrestleTalk podcast, and, and the thoroughbred of lust. And, yes. and the thoroughbred of lust. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm I so had sorry. to save that one for last. Just oh, to make and them... hold on. There is another one. There is another one real quick. And the, the real one? reigning, defending WrestleTalk podcast game show challenge champion. So that's that. Well, technically, her beat me last time, but we're not going to get into that part. Anyway. I said um, real. Yeah, but, hey, well, hey, hey, let's be honest. Here. Anyway, gentlemen, gentlemen, some decorum. Jeremy, Jeremy, to your credit, who is going to beat Herb Simmons in wrestling? That's who I told Drake last time. Yeah, that's not even fair. I predicted <laughs> it. I didn't think you – it wasn't – I didn't say it was going to be easy. I just pointed out facts. Right, you know, Herb facts Simmons. Are, hey, but you did I think know, I was going to get wet, and I took it to like – <laughs> Facts over feelings, Renee. I knew it was going to happen because Herb Simmons is an encyclopedia. He is. He was holding encyclopedias during the interview. Anyway, okay, we are back on topic. All right, gentlemen, in a few moments, I'll ask you three questions about a particular professional wrestling topic. Whenever you think you know the answer to the question, just shout out your answer. You guys have been shouting pretty good tonight. The first person to win two falls will win tonight's game show challenge. Now, today's game show challenge is in honor of tonight's guest. Our WrestleTalk podcast game show challenge category is the Sunshine State. I will give information about three famous professional wrestlers who hail from the state of Florida. Like I said, when you think you know who I'm talking about, just shout out the answer. First person with two falls will win. Renee, are you ready? Jeremy Carp, does Drake Lee make you nervous? Because you sound like Bobby Boucher right now. Don't let that bully intimidate you. The night out He ain't intimidating me one bit. I'm rolling. A bully, a bully. When people with success are online or on phones or in front of people, some people, you know, I'm not saying Jeremy is. You're the one who inferred it, being a jerk. I was just sitting here minding my own business. You know, Renee? Interrupting the show. Interrupting the show when you're not scheduled. Carry on. What else? What else are you doing? Oh, my God. This is Christmas. This is Christmas. Drake, Drake, just Drake. Don't worry about him. Drake, are you ready? Is that a question? Yes, it is a question. It's a legitimate question. Just say yes or no. Oh, my gosh. I hate Drake Lee so much. (laughs) Yes, I am ready to partake. I All just right. said yes. All right. Holy shit. Question number one. directed towards Renee. <laughs> this you know, professional uh, wrestler is a third-generation pro wrestler. His grandfather is Black Jack Mulligan, and his father is Michael Ray Wyatt. Wyatt. I said, I said it no. Ray Wyatt by a mile. Thank you. Nope. Take my point. Incorrect. Bo Dallas. Dav- Bo- oh, oh, damn it. Bo Dallas is correct. Yes. That is <laughs> one for Renee. 
Well, technically, Alrighty. I wasn't wrong. Suck on that, Drake Lee. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. Hang on, Drake. You you still got a chance. Don't worry. All right. Oh, I know I do. Do you know who I am? Yes. I've heard you tell me plenty of times. Okay. <laughs> Question number two. Hey, kids, where's the got him drop? We need the got him drop, like, right now, boss. <laughs> Jeremy Carp. <laughs> got him. We need it. Come on. Do it. <laughs> is a native of Tampa, Florida. He is a 2016 member of the WWE Hall of Fame. No. Over the course of his career, he had memorable feuds with David Von Erich and Chris Adams in world-class championship wrestling. Dusty Rhodes. He was all- nope, incorrect. He is also a member, or was, of the fabulous Freebirds in WCW, Michael, Michael, Michael PSA. Arn Anderson. Nope. said it first. I said it first. By a mile. Incorrect. Wrong. Is that Arn? Okay. All right. I'm giving each of you one more guess. All right. Give us the clue. Who you guys got? We're going to say no, it again. Not- or I'm going to. Hang on. I'm going to say it one more time. This All professional right. wrestler is a native of Tampa, Florida. He is a 2016 member of the WWE Hall of Fame. He had memorable feuds with David Von Erich and Chris Adams in world-class championship wrestling. He was also a member of the fabulous Freebirds in WCW with Michael P.S. Hayes. No, we're, no, Michael P.S. Hayes isn't it. Um, it's not Tully Blanchard. It's Family Freebirds. Drake, you know? Gosh, I'm... Blanking here. I got nothing. All right. The Move answer. On. That was a bad question. No, it was a good one. It was just bad answers. All right. The answer was gorgeous. <laughs> Jimmy Garvin. Jimmy Garvin? Are you serious? I said that. No, you did not. You said, liar. Oh, my God. I said it like eight times. It's still one to zero. Let's go. Question yeah, number three. microphone. Mutant the microphone. Uh-huh. Question oh, number three. Question number three. This professional wrestler is also a native of Tampa, Florida. Hulk Hogan. He won. Jesus. No, it is not Hulk Hogan. Damn it. <laughs> he won championships in ECW. Do you remember Hulk Hogan in ECW, Drake? No. Okay. He won championships. I didn't hear that part, Jeremy. Calm down, man. We're all having a good time. <laughs> He won championships in ECW, WCW, and the WWE. In addition to being a member of the Four Horsemen in WCW. Arn Anderson. Nope. And the Radicals in the WWF. He is the son of the man who trained Gangrel. Name him. Saturn, Perry Saturn. Orlando Jordan. No. Drake? I just want to point out that I just want I just I just want to point out it's Sting. I it's Sting, but Renee's reading the damn comments. (laughs) Give me my W, baby, let's go. 
That is no way. No friggin' way. I swear to God, I will sue so fast. I want my music and I want it now. No, the people want it. Don't you take this from the All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. What the that hell is this such happened? bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the WrestleTalk family for the same, baby. Let's what, go. What? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure your attorneys are on the line or filing up No, something. I'm thinking about it. This is this is civil. I mean, I might have to own the show. This is <laughs> this is ridiculous. Th- this was Calm blatant cheating. Fucking... Hold on, hold Calm on. This is blatant <laughs> cheating. Okay, we had a host. We had a host that was biased from the damn beginning, and it's just because no one can look at success like Drake. Lee. I get it. I get it. It's hard to look at the city on the hill, but at the end of the day, you know, we got to be fair, guys. I mean, this was blatant. I'm a part of this one. <laughs> I got yelled at for I got yelled at for answering questions. I said Hulk Hogan because we all know he's from Tampa. He has he had a bar there. He still does. Bro, you said Hulk Hogan for all three questions. It was a good answer. Who doesn't put Hulk Hogan in that question list? The guy that made the questions for me. (laughs) Shout out. Yeah, Renee. Renee, he's talking about you. No, I didn't make the questions, bro. And I had no part in this, man. The man man said, he said, he said, this Tampa-born superstar won a championship at ECW, and Drake's first response was, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) That's out of context. I said it before ECW. You liar. (laughs) Bro, my stomach is hurting right now. (laughs) I'm going to have a six-pack by the end of tonight's show. (laughs) Jeremy. Thank you so much, Extreme Hulkamania. We shouldn't bring up right drinking now. beer on this show, Renee. Hulk Hogan versus Tommy Dreamer. Well, we had well, brought the up the topic of cocaine earlier right in the show. I never stopped, Renee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, I'm done. Drake, I appreciate you coming on and I trying to do. dispute your propaganda. But clearly, <laughs> fate, fate was in the favor of the night out today. Oh, God. oh okay. 324 <laughs> of the WrestleTalk podcast. Hey, hold on, Bro, hold on real quick, Renee. I got to tell you. Hold on. Do you have any final thoughts? Any final thoughts before me and Jer- Jeremy close it out? Yeah, I do. I'm Hold on. Hey, can you call uh, Webster? The the name of uh, the, the, the definition of uh, cheating changed to fate. Yeah, yeah. I just found that out, too. Yeah, no. So, uh, anyway... Right, and apparently um, Hulk Hogan wrestled in ECW. I mean, these are just changing <laughs> by the moment over here. Out of context. All right, well, anyway, I'm going to – I, I got to go. I got a business deal coming up. You aren't kicking me off. I'm leaving on my own accord. I think, you know, there's some questions that are raised. 
Um, Have a good night, you know, Drake. Trust. Me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye. Renee, you don't need to die. Wait a minute. So you guys thought? Wait a minute. So Jeremy, these people thought yeah. that Drake Lee was gonna come on and school the night out. Guess who wins tonight's <laughs> autograph, ladies and gentlemen? Hulk I'm on the floor laughing what right now. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm dying. Yo, the comment section has never been this lit. I love you guys so much. Thank you, Jeff Manning. Thank you, Gangrel. Thank you, callers. Thank you, sponsors. Uh, I want to thank Pat Milicic, the UFC Hall of Famer, and Jay Hollywood from Combat uh, Everything or Everything Combat. Uh, obviously, those guys have been supporting us for a long time. Esports Bar KC in Shawnee, Kansas. Thank you for being here for us. Uh, King K, the arcade and Retro Zone, the vintage toy store at the Oak Park Mall in Overland Park, Kansas. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, Raph Bums Engraving, uh, who makes the Wrestle Talk podcast must possible. The FWWC, the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion. And one of my very favorite sponsors ever, Jeremy, I-70 Sports Media, headed by Jeremy Carp himself. Thank you so much for being sponsors of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Episode 324 was legendary for a lot of reasons. I want to thank you guys for being here, and hopefully you guys continue to follow us 24-7 over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Maestro, any final thoughts before we close out tonight's show? Uh, That that was a wild two and a half hours. Oh, my goodness gracious. We had some amazing guests, some amazing call-ins. We even had Drake Lee on. And... (laughs) And we saw who reigned supreme, although I know we're going to be hearing about that one for quite a while. But in all seriousness... Jeremy, Jeremy, I didn't break the rules. I just used a lifeline. That's all I did. And and you know what? I was already up when it happened. So Drake Lee has got no reason to complain because no matter what, he was going to lose. I mean, Hulk Hogan, the ECW, are you freaking joking me? (laughs) Come on. Hey, hey. Take the gun, leave the cannoli, or leave the cannoli uh, and, and take the gun. I'm not sure what it is, but Drake Lee, you need to step it's your table, bro. You're going really to kill him. Take the cannoli. I mean, or leave. I don't know how. I just love the cannoli. Anyway, all we know is you want Drake lost. Okay. Yeah. But in an all serious note, I do want to thank everybody from the Wrestle Talk audience who has tuned in tonight. I want to thank Jeff Manning and Gangrel for taking time out of their busy schedules, especially Gangrel. We look forward to having him and Jeff back on again. Night Al, I love being a part of this, and I thank you so much for letting me uh, co-host with you tonight. I look forward to when Nightmare and I take the reins. And I just want to say to all you listening, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. So make your lives worth reading. Oh, yeah, baby. That brings us to the conclusion of episode 324 of the WrestleTalk podcast. Hoss, uh, Skywalker, um, Drake, Jeremy, Joe, it is an honor and a pleasure to serve with you guys under the WrestleTalk podcast banner. That brings us to the conclusion of episode 324. Make sure you guys spend time with your family over the holiday season, no matter what dream you're pursuing. And just know I'm sending a bottle of barbecue sauce to not only Jeff Manning, but also T. 
to Gangrel because they deserve it. Guys, we love you so much. We'll be back next week, same time, same place at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. You guys have a good night, and make sure that you continue to support professional wrestling for life. Peace!